For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say happy Canada Day and good morning, universe. Welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Alongside Dave Manouk and with Ezra Ginsberg in the splendor of nature, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours to talk about everything to do with regard to the Winnipeg Jets. A very newsworthy week, as you well know, with regard to the Jets. We'll cover it all over the next couple of hours. Also get you set for NHL free agency, which gets started this morning. It is a very busy day, as you might imagine. Gentlemen, good to see you both. Ezzy, I must say, on this Canada Day, with that background, you're really nailing the motif that we're looking for on this show. Boys, the, I appreciate that, Drew. The, the birds are chirping. The sun is shining. You know, the Lake Lake Lac du Bonnie, it's, it's just, it's, it's shining. It really is. Uh, it's great to be out here. Happy Canada Day. And uh, as you mentioned, Drew, we got a ton to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure what we're going to start with, but uh, <laughs> the Blake Wheeler buyout was obviously uh, something we were all expecting. And obviously we're going to touch on the five selections the Jets made at the draft in Nashville. Um, Got to give kudos to Dave and I doing an excellent job. Songs, I do Drew. You we missed you, Drew. We could have used you, but uh, we had fun with more mic time. And then, obviously, we got to talk about free agency, boys. Um, I think it's also funny that our show is going to end around 11 a.m., and that's when Blake Wheeler is going to be able to sign a contract with another team, right? So I don't know necessarily if that's going to happen, boys. That it might be, you know, a few days or a few weeks before he signs. But uh, nonetheless, we got a lot to talk about here on a beautiful, beautiful Canada Day. Undoubtedly, lots to talk about. One programming note before we get into the meat of the show. Unfortunately, due to the travel chaos that is currently hitting Nashville, I'm not sure if anyone else has noticed, but apparently a number of reporters are still stranded in Nashville and haven't been able to leave Music City, USA. Uh, that also includes... 2023 first round pick for the Winnipeg Jets, Colby Barlow. He's also having some travel issues this morning. He was supposed to join us. Unfortunately, due to those travel issues, we're going to have to reschedule that interview. So we wish Colby well, and hopefully he gets uh, through all of the flight cancellations and will quickly enjoy the, the, uh, the pleasure that comes with chartered air travel as opposed to commercial air travel like the rest of us are, are used to doing and the vagaries of the airlines and everything to do with that so Colby Barlow unfortunately not able to make it this morning but we'll get him on again in the coming weeks undoubtedly Dave M good morning to you on this happy Canada day yeah excited excited can't uh, think of a better place to start my day than with you two bozos for two hours of Jets talk and uh Right into as, as with a said. little more excitement, a little bit more enthusiasm oh, than that. Drew, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've uh, legalcurve.com has been humming along a little bit, so it's uh taking a, it's curbed my enthusiasm for life for the last four days. But uh, look, there's been lots going on, lot as he said, there's been lots of Jets news, as I think it was Guy who just put it in the comments. I don't know how we're gonna get through it all in two hours, but get through it all, we will, as because as soon as we finish and as soon as I get that podcast up. You know, the Jets are a big team in free agency, so we'll be 
we'll be covering that free agency like nobody's been. No, I mean the curiosity will be more about, and I don't know what Drew, if, if you want to start with the the players who are qualified, or if you want to start with Blake Wheeler. But I mean, well, here's actually what I want to start with. I want to start with a comment that Elliot Friedman made earlier this week that you have on the website on illegalcurve.com on the 32 Thoughts podcast, which is Elliot and Jeff Merrick, as everyone well knows. He mm-hmm. said about the Winnipeg Jets, and then we'll get into the specifics of everything over the course of the next couple hours. Elliot said, and I quote, I thought they had a really good week. That's what Elliot Friedman said about the Winnipeg Jets. That's when you factor in the Pierre-Luc Dubois, Gabe Velarde trade. That's when you factor in the draft. That's when you factor in the Blake Wheeler buyout. Do you agree with the assessment of Elliot Friedman that the Jets had, quote, a really good week? Yeah, I think they've had a good week. I mean, it started off with the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, right? And I think, you know, you guys broke it down. I wasn't able to join you guys, but you guys did a great job breaking it down on the pop-up show that was Tuesday night. Obviously, everyone can check that out on our YouTube channel or download the podcast. But I think, you know, we all agree. I don't think there were many people that didn't like the return that that Kevin Sheveldayoff got from the LA Kings, right? We have talked about it. Dave and I talked about it also when we were breaking down uh, round one on, on Wednesday night, right? You're getting a couple of players that can fit into your top nine. Most likely, I, I, Alex Iafalo is a guy that will play on the third line. Obviously, Gabe Velarde is the centerpiece, right? And he's a guy that, you know, has the ability to play center, but he can also fill in for Blake Wheeler, right? There's a big gap there, guys, and these things are related, right? Like, I don't think that it's it's a coincidence that Gabe Velarde was acquired because of the fact that he can play on the right side. And, you know, we'll get into the comments of, of Chevy. I know that Dave was all over the comments about Cole Perfetti. I mean, there is a strong chance Perfetti is used up the middle. And obviously, you know, Mark Shifley, as it stands now, is your number one center. But I think looking back, you know, at the entire week, yeah, it starts with the Dubois trade. You like Velarde, Ayafalo, Kupari. You like that you were able to get a second round pick in 2024 and not have to give up anything else, right? You didn't have to give up Jansen Harkins. You didn't have to give up Logan Stanley or any other prospects or any other draft picks. And then when you're talking about the draft, yeah, Colby Barlow is a guy that I think a lot of scouts thought would go, you know, three or four spots earlier, Dave. We talked about it. And, you know, whether it's Craig Button, whether it's Darren Dreger or, you know, other scouts, Scott Wheeler really liked the pick. And, and obviously, you know, it's recency bias. Right after the draft, that's what we always say, right? All NHL teams love every single pick they made. <laughs> every, all 32 teams won the draft, right? Yeah. But when you look at, you know, starting with the Dubois trade and then, you know, at the draft and then you were able to get, like, I think Thomas Millich was a, you know, a sneaky good late round draft pick. He's a guy that I think Dave agrees. I mean, he's going to turn pro right away, right? He was a 20-year-old playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds. So even though the Jets only had five selections, I like most of them. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the Dubois trade was great and, you know, we still expect more trades and then, you know, the Blake Wheeler buyout, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me stop you right there for a second. Let me stop you right there. You said we expect more trades. Dave, I want to get you in on that comment from Ezzy. Do you expect more trades from the Winnipeg Jets? Because as I sit here today on Canada day, I I should have said, sorry, Drew, I meant moves. I don't think a Hellebuck or Shifley trade is coming in the next week. I meant moves in terms of free agency, you know, qualifying offers that we're going to talk about. Not so much trades. I think it's quieted down. So I just wanted to to clarify that. I don't expect Shifley or Hellebuck to be traded anytime soon. 
Okay, then let me bring Dave in on that same question. Do you agree with Elliot Friedman's assessment? Do you agree with Ezzy's assessment that this has, by and large, been a good week for the Winnipeg Jets in terms of the return that they got on on Pierre-Luc Dubois, in terms of the draft, in terms of the move to move on from Blake Wheeler? Yeah, I mean, it, it would appear to be. I mean, that's what they needed to do. The organization needed to make a break with Blake Wheeler, and uh, and they did it in a clean way. They did it in a way that was... You know, there was class on both sides. He thanked the fans and he was able to send a message through the team. And and so they, I think the sign was that they worked together to make this palatable to both sides. It wasn't, a, a you know, a firing one of them, two of them into the sun. I think it was an ability to get these guys working together. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, yeah, I think from that perspective, the Jets needed to move on because as, as we heard at the end of the season, media availability, every single player still talked about Blake Wheeler as the leader. And so the C not being on his chest really didn't do what it was intended to do because, you know, even though they all tried to kiss and play nice and say, he's still going to be a leader. He wasn't going to be a leader. He was the leader in the room. Mm -hmm. And that's what they needed to get away from. They needed to change the narrative. They needed to change the culture and allow the next generation of Jets, you know, 2.1 or 3.0, however you're going to look at it. For the record, it's not 3.0. If it was be a 3.0, that means the team would have left and come back again. Fine, it's 2.1 enough. or 2.01, but it's not 3.0. That's well, one look, of those things that's been bugging me it, all week. Fair what enough. is this, but like that, Microsoft Windows? Like Microsoft <laughs> Windows 3.1, 3.2? What are we talking about here? Okay, well, it's I, I think it's... me being myopic and small, yeah. but the, the important things nonetheless. Yes, so there you go. Anywho, so the point is that, uh, look, it's... It, I think from that perspective, it was good. I mean, we all expected it. Nobody was surprised. It, it you know, it went down. Um, the Jets obviously were trying to get their uh, friends in the media to try and convince folks that there was a trade imminent so they could maybe not have to buy out Blake Wheeler. But the fact of the matter is that's the way it ended up going. And we learned uh, some of the other insiders were suggesting he was going to go to Dallas or there was interest from Dallas. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, he wants to go his agent through Friedman, I believe, said he wants to go to an Eastern team. So, look, I'm I think sorry, from when, the- when Riley Smith is traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third-round draft pick, you're not going to be getting a lot for Blake Wheeler. We talked about it on Wednesday night, Dave, right? Like, yeah. Matt yeah, Duchesne was bought million. out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I don't think you're, you were going to be getting much. And that's all due respect to Blake Wheeler. It's just the way the trade market is, right? Like, teams are, are weaponizing their cap space. And they're, like the Penguins getting Riley Smith for a third-rounder, to me, is is like robbery. He's a perennial 55 to 60 point guy, Stanley Cup champion. Uh, and the and the Penguins didn't even have to give up a roster player. So that's all I wanted to say, Dave. It's that I, I don't think I don't know. I it, the trade market for Blake Wheeler might have been non-existent, to be honest with you. No, and I I, 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 I think I think they just tried to, to to drum it up. But I mean, look, so just looking at the totality of the week, and they I can drum it up all they want, but that's what I mean. There's they nothing can, there, can, there's nothing you, there, right? You can bang the drums, but it's not gonna have much of a of an effect. So no, I think I all I would agree with Friedman. I would agree with Ezzy. I think it was a very good week. You 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 made a trade and you heard the language that Friedman used in the in what other people in the industry were referencing as the Jets' success. Now you could say that Kevin Sheveldayoff painted himself into this corner because he knew where everything was set last year uh, with Pierre Luc Dubois, or last summer, I should say, and uh, his little Montreal foray. But you know, here's here's what uh, Bank invite him to Nashville for the draft. It's unclear to me. No, no. But as far as far as I know, it was there was no banks inviting him. But uh, I'm joking. No, no, I know. But this is what this is what Friedman said. Hockey I thought you were serious, telling- Drew. 
Yes. I think there were a lot of people out there who were kind of saying, you know what? We couldn't have made as good a deal as in that situation. They were smart. They took advantage of the Kings own cap situation and they got good players. So look, I mean, I, I, I thought that anyways, but there's your assessment from folks that Friedman's talking to in the hockey world. And uh, so I think from a trade perspective, they did well because again, I think the sum of all parts, the Jets, the Jets were not a deep, particularly deep team. And so now they're a deeper team. And you've got three players. And again, Gabe Velarde looks like, provided he can stay healthy, is going to be a player on an upward trajectory. He's 23 years old. So that's a real positive for the Winnipeg Jets organization. And we know, we've talked about Alex Ayafala. We've talked about Rasmus Kampari already, what they've been able to do. And then, again, the draft, as he's right. I mean, we always try and declare winners and losers, and we'll have Stephen Ellis <laughs> on to, dis- to give us some an assessment. But it honestly drives me absolutely bonkers about fans losing their minds uh, over picks. And I'm like, how do you know anything about these guys? Like, sorry, you don't, you just can't, you really can't know about every single player and be like, this guy's going to be a waste. Like how many times have we, as he, how many guys I had someone tweet at me and be like, well, uh, even with respect to Barlow with Colby Barlow, like, well, 17 other teams passed on him. I'm like, you know, Henrik Zetterberg <laughs> went in the seventh round. Pavel Datsuk <laughs> went in the sixth round. Jonathan you know, so and Marty St. Louis were undrafted. So was our Tammy Panarin. The point is, guys, I hate to break it to you. Scouts, scouting is not an inexact science. It's not a perfect world where they get everything right. And there's m- many a player. Brendan Dillon, Nate Schmidt, both two guys undrafted. Alex Iafalo. Connor Hellebuck, fifth rounder. The point is that scouting is not I thought perfect, you were about so. to say that Hellebuck was undrafted. I'm like, Dave, you <laughs> no, obviously no. are sleep deprived. <laughs> the point I'm making is that, you know, that folks get, you know, so, I mean, did you, I don't know if you guys saw what happened and I don't want to segue too much because it's stupid. Did you see what happened with David Reinbach, uh, Reinbach and, and the hate that he got from, Mon- apparently got like thousands of hate messages from folks in Montreal because he was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens instead of taking Matej Mitchkov or whatever. And so they took Reinbach and he literally got like, they, they, I read a thing that said his representation isn't going to bring him to North America now because they need to calm it down. It's like, this is, it's, it's, it's wild. Anyways, that's a little segue. That's, that's horrible, Dave, but I'm not going to say anything bad about Habs fans because I don't want them to come after me. Habs yeah. fans are absolutely crazy. Like, Dave, Drew knows this. He's, he's yeah. been to Montreal I'm not going to say anything bad about Habs fans because they might come after me. And then in the same thought, the, the Habs fans are crazy. That's the Ginsburg experience oh. in a nutshell there for you folks. Right? There is no – I mean, Jets fans, Jets fans are passionate. Don't get me wrong. And I think we have the best fans in, in the NHL. But the Montreal Canadiens fans, as both of you guys know, you both have been to Montreal. You just talk to a cab driver or your, or your average Montrealer. Like, they do not sugarcoat. <laughs> like, if the team is not doing well and a player is not doing well. Do you guys remember no, going back to, like, you that, do, you remember 20, do you remember 2005? Maybe later than that. Maybe 2007, 2010. Remember Scott Gomez? Remember when Gomez, obviously one of my favorite players of all time, Dave M knows that, from the 2000-2003 Devils Cup winners? When Gomez was struggling, like Habs fans, like like they were ruthless, and they're ruthless to players when they're not doing well. That's all I'm saying. Habs fans are passionate. They don't. That's why. And I I, that's not right. That's not right. They shouldn't be go out going after an 18 year old that was just drafted. That's not right. I think Pierre Luc Dubois dodged a bullet. To be perfectly honest, he gets eight and a half million dollars a year. Let's get back to let's talk about the Dubois trade. You know, that using that, he gets eight and a half million dollars a year to be relatively anonymous in Los Angeles versus. Let's say, for argument's sake, let's say Montreal was going to go to eight and a half million a year, which it doesn't sound like they were willing to do. But for argument's sake, instead, if you'd gone to Montreal 
and made eight and a half million dollars a year and had disappeared for a few weeks at a time or a few months at a time as he's had the propensity to do throughout his career so far. You don't think that reaction would be about a gazillion times more brutal? I think from his perspective, he probably said, hey, okay, I'll go live in in Los Angeles. I can live, you know, next to the ocean and have a pretty damn good life rather than have to be the 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 focal point of the of the cauldron that is that is the Montreal hockey market. From Pierre-Luc Dubois' perspective, I understand completely why he ended up in Los Angeles versus versus in Montreal. It actually from it makes a lot more sense. And from the Jets' perspective, and we talked about this on Tuesday uh, when we did the pop-up show, and I know you guys talked about it on Wednesday when we did the, when you guys did the draft show. I think the Jets did well in improving the depth of their hockey team. They got three NHL players for one. Now, do any of those three NHL players have the same upside as Pierre-Luc Dubois? Well, Velarde would be the guy, but I don't know that he necessarily has the same ceiling. But he's probably got a similar floor to Pierre-Luc Dubois if you want to look at a worst-case scenario situation. So I think if Velarde continues on that upward trajectory, the Jets have done pretty well for themselves. I mean, I think I may have been on Tuesday uh, maybe not as articulate as I wanted to be and maybe saying that I, I don't think the Jets... Uh, maybe I was a little more, a little more harsh than I expect. Than I, than and I Andrew, don't be hard on yourself. You're usually not okay. articulate, so thank you. It's, <laughs> not, it's no different than any other time, right? Thank you, Ezzy. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, you know, the more I think about it, if Gabe Velarde, you know, continues, then the Jets, at, you know, did a pretty good job here. They did a pretty good job, and I like that they got three NHL players to fill out their roster. I like that they have guys who've played NHL games who have. More or less, and of course, Kupari is the one guy who's sort of on the fence there, established themselves as NHL players. No more, which, which sort of to some extent brings me to the qualifying offers. Because I think everyone, uh, I was surprised, and you guys can tell me, were you guys surprised that they didn't qualify Kevin Stenland? Yes. Yeah. I absolutely I was. was. And, and, you know, and the main reason for that, Drew, is because Stenland played the majority of the season with the Jets. Like, what was it, 60 games, I want to say, something like that, Dave? He played maybe 20 mm -hmm. games with the Moose, whatever it was, 15, 20 games with the Moose. But I don't think many people expected Stenland to spend most of the year with the Jets because he hadn't been in the NHL for so long, right? It was, I think Columbus was the last time he played yeah. in the NHL. He'd been over yeah. in, in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, right? He's Swedish, so that's obvious. Also, um, you know, Arvid Holm, right? Because Dave will agree, like, Oscar Salmonen and Arvid Holm basically split the net last year, right, Dave? I'm not sure yeah. which of them played more, but it wasn't like a one, it wasn't like a Hellebuck Lauren Brassois situation, right? No. Or a Hellebuck David Riddick situation to, to use the Jets' more recent backup goaltender who we don't expect to be back. Um, we don't know if Hellebuck will be back for that matter, but uh, a lot of moving parts here for the Jets this summer. But, um, you know, Arvid Holm is a guy that, like, Thomas Millich, right? Like, we talked about it. He was drafted in the fifth round on Thursday by the Jets. Yeah. He's a guy that could back up Oscar Selman in, in, in theory, right, at the NHL level. Um, well, just, and, just to confirm, oh, as he, Mark, 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 Sorry, Mark, Hillier, Mark Hillier did say he's going to be turning pro. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Right. So. so that probably has a, a factors in. But then, as Dave mentioned, and, and I'll get Dave, in, Dave M. In, in on this, you can still sign Kevin Stenland even though you didn't qualify him. But it doesn't really make sense why you wouldn't qualify him if you wanted to sign him. 
yeah, it's not like he was going to be a, a significant cap hit to to sign him. But what I like about it, and Dave, I'm sorry, but I'll get you in in a second. What I like about the move is that it sort of says, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, which is certainly possible, that adequate isn't necessarily good enough. You know, that just because he played 54 games for the Jets last year, and I would say he did an adequate job in those 54 games. He wasn't stupendous. He wasn't horrible. He was adequate. Decent, decent fourth-line guy, kills penalties. Right, but maybe body. adequate's yeah. not good enough anymore. Maybe you don't have to necessarily grab onto adequate, and you can begin to look at what else might be out there that would be an upgrade. Well, it, you know, also, free, it also elevates... David Gustafson, and I'm sure that's where Dave's head went when he saw this, right, Dave? Because if mm -hmm. you think about it, when David Gustafson was a healthy scratch, it was really because you had Kevin Stenlin playing that fourth-line center role, right? Obviously, Gustafson can play the wing, but I'm not sure, Dave, what your thoughts are, but the way I kind of, you know, read that a little bit is like that that frees up David Gustafson and gives him the opportunity to play more games in the NHL next year. And I think of it as completely different. I think the Jets might be looking out looking out to upgrade that position. And I you know, if David Gustafson ends up taking that job, great, but you can't rely on David Gustafson. He just hasn't been healthy enough in his career. And we hope that that changes, of course, but he hasn't been healthy enough in his career for the Jets to rely on him to play a role. So maybe today where the Jets don't typically uh, make a big splash, but maybe internally in the, in the, in the scouting meetings and in the plans for the offseason, they're saying, look, what we've done for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years when it comes to our fourth line isn't sufficient anymore. We need to do better. We need to go and find uh, pieces out there that aren't dartboard throws, but are actual uh, players who can fit into a plan and, and fit into our team as opposed to guys who are tweeners between the AHL and the NHL and we hope what sticks. Maybe that's what they're saying or indicating. Well, Rasmus Kupari is, is an option on the fourth line as well, right? He's a guy that plays be. center, right? Right. So, the, so right now, Kupari and Gustafson um, are, are there and Stenland's not because he's not signed, Dave. But um, yeah, it was a surprise because as I mentioned, this time last year, I think it was around July or August when the Jets signed Stenland um, and Saku Manalainen. And I didn't have the, the highest expectations for those guys, but I thought Stenland was for a guy who, you know, started the year with the Moose. I thought he was pretty good, chipped in a little bit of offense, good into the faceoff circle, could play on the wing. So I was a little bit surprised by that, but you're right. The Jets might dip into free agency. I haven't broken down, you know, what fourth-line centers are available, but you look at a team like the Vegas Golden Knights, original misfit, who's been their fourth-line center? William Carrier. Like, like that's, I think, Drew, what you're kind of talking about. You're looking at spending maybe 2 to $3 million on an established fourth-line center, right? I don't even know the dollar figure. That might be a little bit rich uh, for my blood. Sure. But whatever take, the out the dollar, is, take out the dollar figure, yeah, one and a half million, figure, whatever. Just find established NHL players to play those roles where for so long, Dave, they've been using guys who haven't really established themselves as NHLers. Yeah, I mean, it, it's about the idea of getting away from spare parts, right, Drew? And, mm -hmm. and establishing guys who are going to be you know, create that identity. And that's what we've talked about as for how long is, is why do the Jets not have a real identity on their fourth line? And for, for, you know, it's been, because it it's changes every long... year, right? Like not only well, does it change sure. every year, it changes every month. Yeah, no. And, and I think that's part of the, that's part of the issue is that you haven't been able to establish a consistent line. That's going to be there for year after year after year. And obviously you have to be able to deal with injuries and guys coming in and out of the lineup 
But for the most part, you want to have it fairly established. And the Jets don't. They always seem to have spare parts connected to who their fourth liners are. And that's, and that's you know, a, a lack of identity. They haven't had an identity since the GST line. Just saying. Well, I mean, and then that's maybe what we're seeing today. And that wouldn't surprise me if that's the if that's the course of action. You know, the Jets are in a scenario where we I mean, we saw based on the qualifying offers that weren't handed out yesterday to a lot of you know bona fide NHL players that they're real. I know it's a cliche and blah, 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 but there is a limited amount of money in the system. Maybe the Jets can, you know, if you want to go back and really use a tortured analogy, I think it was the it was the 2001 New England Patriots in the offseason. Instead of going and and buying uh, uh, you know big name players in free agency, they went out and got a lot of inexpensive players, but who were bona fide NFL players to come in on on short term deals. And of course, that team ended up winning the Super Bowl, beating the Rams. And that you know that's twenty two years ago now, so I'm really dating myself. But that could be you know the course of action that the Jets are maybe trying to approach: increase the depth improve the depth make your depth that you are you can roll lines not necessarily that you can you know that you're going to roll one through four equal throughout the course of the game of course because you're going to play your best players more but just have enough options at the nhl level to improve your team to make your team better to you know which you can call it the seattle model if you want but that's what the kraken have done and to a fair bit of success last year obviously winning in the first round they were able to just constantly churn out nhl talent uh every shift that they threw out there on the ice maybe that's a different approach that the jets might be taking uh which could explain the the decision to not uh qualify kevin stenland so time will tell, obviously, on that front. I'd love to tell you folks if, you know, it always leaks out in the lead up to free agency 90 minutes from now. Uh, you know, I'd love to tell you, you know, Dreger is usually reporting this player is going to sign here. Friedman's reporting that player is going to sign there. Twitter is down. Perfect time for Twitter to be down. So we don't really know what's going on when it comes to the rumor mill. Uh, you know, And we'll find out just, I guess, when Twitter is back up or if we get an email from the Jets saying that they've signed somebody after 11 o'clock, whatever it might be, it will come to you today on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and, of course, all day long on IllegalCurve.com. It's a good thing that we created that uh, Illegal Curve Mastodon account then. Everybody go to Mastodon or Truth Social right now. <laughs> Well, maybe not Truth Social, but uh, Mastodon you can you can go to if you want. Much more to come. It's a Saturday morning. It's Canada Day. It's free agency. It's an IC Saturday. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Don't go anywhere. We're back Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of the hour. Still to come on the program at 10.15, Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff is going to join us, break down the Jets draft picks, some of the draft comments in general. We're looking forward to welcoming Stephen on in about 45 minutes time. This segment of the program brought to you by our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, and of course, Zapia Group Realty. All of our sponsors do a great job in keeping us uh, on air. So we want to thank them for all their efforts and continued support 
of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And we got some comedy judging coming up, Drew, on July 6th. Yes, exactly right. So on Thursday night, if you're looking for something to do, Winnipeg's Funniest Person with a Day Job going to be taking place at Rumors. Uh, So that's an amateur comedy competition that happens every summer. Uh, Some great uh, comics have started at the Winnipeg's Funniest Person with a Day Job competition. You come, you can see some of your friends if they're performing, or you just buy a ticket and you watch that. And then, of course, headliner Daryl Purvis will be on stage after that. And yours truly, Dave and Ezzy are the judges on Thursday. So if you're at Rumors on Thursday, come say hi. Or if you're looking for something to do on Thursday, buy your tickets, rumorscomedyclub.com. And we'll even let you judge us on our judging. So it's really a a full circle operation uh, when it comes to that. We are happy to be judged accordingly as well. So Drew, are we going to have like big numbered cards? Like, is it going to be like thumbs up, thumbs down for Dave and I? Like, what's no. what's going to happen here? How are we going to judge these comedians? I, I need to know. There, there, I believe there's a number of categories that you judge on, and then you write it down on a piece of paper, and then they tabulate uh, the numbers you've written down, and uh, whomever gets the highest number moves on to the next round of the competition. But if do you get, want, do we get a, pencils or pens? Because if I make a mistake, I want to be able to erase it. Uh, I, I really don't know. I think they probably offer both, both pens and or pencils, depending on your preference. Um, but if you want a giant number to walk around with, you can probably do that as well. Like you're a uh, a ring girl at a, at a boxing match or something like that. You can be the ring boy at the at the comedy battle royal. How about that? Sounds there good. You. I'm excited for it. I've never been a comedy judge. I mean, I feel like You've doing the show for 14 and a half years. Well, that's just the criminal cases. <laughs> yeah right um yeah i was gonna say the last 14 and a half years of doing this show i feel like you know we've been judging uh comedy in a sense right but uh yeah it'll be fun there you go so that's thursday we're looking forward to that undoubtedly uh what i was gonna say to you guys we haven't really touched on it in, in any sort of detail blake wheeler the announcement yesterday that he was being bought out by the winnipeg jets and he will be officially bought out once he clears waivers uh this morning unless the team decided to put in a bid on him but that ain't gonna happen so I, I, your guys thoughts on how the entire situation was handled by both the jets organization by wheeler himself i thought that you know, and I, I, I've been saying this on air for a while. I, I tweeted this when Twitter was working yesterday that this was a necessary move. It's addition by subtraction uh, in, in some regards for the Winnipeg Jets. They just needed to turn this turn this page. But I thought both the Jets and Wheeler they all handled themselves with a great deal of class and dignity yesterday in in, in how it all went down. Well, you know, I'll, I'll go first and then I'll let Dave M get in here. But, but before we talk about Wheeler's legacy and, you know, all the great years that he gave Winnipeg Jets fans, I just wanted to ask you, Drew, if the rumors are true that Wheeler's house is on the market, the rumors are that you might be purchasing his house in River Heights. So I wasn't sure, you know, if you wanted to, you know, validate those rumors or anything like that. But uh, it's probably a little bit more expensive than the house I currently live in. But I mean, look at guys. I mean, I think this was the way to handle it, right? Like the Jets obviously, you know, released a couple of videos uh, including Blake Wheeler addressing the fans, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this was inevitable. We've been talking about this for how long, Dave? Weeks? Months? Years? I mean, going back to last year, I mean, some Jets fans were wondering if a buyout would be used with two years left on his contract, right? So we talked about it. I mean, with the trade market where it's at, with the fact that the, the salary cap, you know, is only going up by, by, what, a million, million and a half? I mean, you've got Riley Smith being traded by Vegas to Pittsburgh for a third-round pick. There just wasn't a big trade market for Wheeler with his $8 million contract. So this frees up $5.5 million of cap room. It makes a lot of sense. Now, in terms of Blake Wheeler's legacy, look, I think, you know, a lot of people will focus on on the last 
few years and the fact that the Jets haven't had a lot of playoff success. But to me, you know, what stands out to me about Blake Wheeler is that, you know, he was always a guy who gave you 100% on the ice. He was he was a leader who was polarizing, right? And obviously, you know, the C was stripped prior to the 22-23 season. But, I mean, this is a guy, Dave M posted this on the website, right? Like almost 900 games over 12 years with the Jets, uh, 795 points. One thing that stood out to me, Dave, I forgot about this, 11 shorthanded goals is actually pretty absurd. Like that's, that's a lot of shorthanded goals and that shows you kind of the, the skill of a player like Wheeler, right? Like, I don't think, you know, he's going to be known for, as a defensive specialist. Um, But look, the 12 seasons, I think Wheeler represented the Jets really well. Did the Jets end up getting to the Stanley Cup final winning in Stanley Cup? Of course not. But I mean, this is a guy who season after season, game after game, you know, gave, gave, gave his all. And, and I think, you know, when you look back at those, what was it? 91 92 point seasons that he had like he was one of the best right wingers in the entire game mm-hmm. he really was like going back to the kind of 2016 2018 2019 years and obviously now he's 36 years old you know he's probably got what one season maybe a couple seasons left in him uh we'll see you know where he ends up signing i think there's definitely going to be interest but uh there's there's no way that you can say that you know the the jets team performance was like it was it was underwhelming at times especially over the last three years but I think Wheeler's legacy um is not in doubt in terms of being a Winnipeg Jet Dave right like he they're gonna eventually one day you know his his number will hang from the rafters there might even I don't know you know a Wheeler statue is taking it too far but this is the last remaining Atlanta Thrasher, right? And statues the- are always too far. We don't need to put statues up. Of, well, of yeah, that's true. Maybe statues is going a little bit far, but I mean, he's going to be remembered for the 12 years of service he gave this Jets organization. And even though at times I, I had issues with his leadership qualities, I think, you know, he was a, he was a pretty damn good leader and, you know, he played uh, some pretty good hockey for the Jets for 12 years. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Ez. And I think, look, we tend to lionize people and and create myths about their legacies. And I think that you're right. Blake Wheeler was a leader on the ice. There's no question about it. And he never took a night off. And he gave absolutely everything he could to this team. And when he had the opportunity to not necessarily stick around, he chose to raise a family here. And you know, we've heard from the guys who do choose to stay in Winnipeg and raise the older guys and raise families. Like Sam Gagne was on the uh, Strickland and uh, Cam podcast maybe three weeks back. And he was talking, you know, they asked him and they're American and they're like, Oh, what's it like being in Winnipeg? And Sam Gagne is like, I loved it. I loved it. It's a great place to raise a family, great place to have kids. So, you know, the reality is that he dedicated his life. He was willing to coach against Drew Mendel in kids <laughs> soccer. I mean, he, he headline Mendel drives Wheeler out of town. <laughs> the fact of the matter is he became, he became a part of the community and that's for too many players now you know, they think of a of a place that, and it's not just in Winnipeg. It's a lot of guys. We back in the day, and the Bombers do this. They become part of the community. They live here year round. It's 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 become they become a part of the fabric of the society that they're living in. It's not just a place that they can earn millions of dollars and then go back to their their true homes. So the fact is that Blake Wheeler, unlike many, and I'm not. It's just the way it is. But it's just. Unlike a lot of guys, he established roots, became part of the community. He and his wife did a lot of charity work. So again, there's pros and cons with everything, right? Was he prickly with the media? There's no question. I wrote about it this morning. I said, you know, if you were in a scrum with him, you could always, as Drew experienced, be on the wrong side of said scrum. And I live and, to tell and, about it. 
You live, of course, because it's like, you know, it's like Paul Friesen wrote in his article, you know, even including the F off, you know, because mm-hmm. I say fuck. But the point is that the fact of the matter is that he, he was, that's just the way he was, you know? And, and again, like I said, so he, it's a, it's a, it's not just a one way or the other. It's not like he was the most amazing person, period. He wasn't the worst prayer person. He had some good, he had some bad, and he had a little bit in between. So uh, I think the Jets fans got more good than bad uh, on a, you know, especially on a nightly basis on the ice. There's no question about it. Uh, some folks said he gave his balls for this team. So there's no question about uh, his dedication and his commitment to both the city. And again, raising money for cancer care with his wife, that, that kind of thing doesn't go unnoticed. Run for the cure, um, cure is what it was called. Yeah, run for the, or wasn't, or wasn't no, there, was, there was a, there was a ride with, thing. no, it was ride it was with the wheelers. Ride inside, ride inside. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. run for the cure was something else. Ride inside yeah. was the wheelers. Yeah. 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 So the point is that, again, like I said, guys don't have to do it. You can pay lip service to something and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, they dedicated themselves to that. And, and that's commendable because it became, I mean, even during the pandemic, like they helped out restaurants that they were connected to. So I, I just think, like I said, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of, of things that we could talk about. And again, we tend to focus on the, on the, on ice. And as he's right, I mean, he had back-to-back 91 point seasons. He was one of the top right wingers. And we said, when he signed this contract, he was going to be 37 when it when it concluded. 37, 38, whatever it was. 37. But the fact of the matter is, and we said, if you can win a Stanley Cup with Blake Wheeler signing this contract, then it's going to be a good contract, even though you know those last one or two years are probably going to be a little unpalatable. Right. Well, the last year wasn't wasn't terrible. It wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it was, I mean, he still had what as 55 points. He, he was still a useful NHL player. I mean, his salary was not commensurate with his with his return. But like you said, not they, his fault. Not his fault. We all knew that that was going to be uh, was going to happen. Look, I think he had trouble adapting to both a change in the young players mm-hmm. from what he sees as how a professional should act, and he had trouble adapting to a new role on the team. And I think it was particularly the trouble, you know, uh, with the younger generation, the up and coming wave of players that, you know, impacted him and and maybe soured a lot of people on him and impacted his role in the room. And you can't look at the the totality of Blake Wheeler without acknowledging that, that he's a human being with flaws, like all of us, maybe not Ezzy, but all of us. And the one of those flaws impacted the Winnipeg Jets dressing room as a result. Doesn't make him a bad guy. Doesn't make him a great guy. It just makes him a human guy. And I think that's all part and parcel of his legacy is that he had trouble adapting to a changing of the guard, adapting to uh, how a younger uh, a younger player might approach the game versus how he approaches the game. And as a result, it impacted the Winnipeg Jets uh, in their dressing room. Yeah, it's a good point that you make, right, guys? Like, the the players in the NHL who are currently 20, 20 years old to 25 years old or whatever are much different than the players that are, you know, 32, 33 years old and up, right? Mm-hmm. The last 10 years, a lot has changed. And I think, you know, Drew, you know, if you read between the lines, one of the guys you're talking about is Patrick Liney. I mean, that's been well-documented. Back in 2016 when the Jets Jets drafted Line, I mean, this is a guy 
that I, I mean, I think you know it's a sore spot for Jets fans because I, th- I think a lot of Jets fans haven't accepted the fact that Line A was traded, even though that was uh, over two years ago. But I mean, we know that you know Line A and and Wheeler at times clashed, and that might have been part of the reason why you know Line A requested a trade. We don't have to rehash that, but um, you know, I wanted to touch on something else too, Drew, when you were talking about kind of Wheeler and his leadership style and how. You know, at times, you know, he, at times he was polarizing in terms of, you know, maybe being too hard. But if you remember, guys, after the 2018-19 season, I might be wrong. You guys, um, you know, might correct me here. But remember the year, I think it was with Sarah Orleski and he was interviewed. Remember what Wheeler said? He said that I think I was too hard and I think I need to tone it down. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, that's not verbatim. But do you remember that interview he yeah. did? Yeah. That yeah. was, I believe, after the Jets got knocked out by the Blues. The year the Blues yeah. won the Cup in 2019. And I mean, because the Jets went obviously to the Western Conference final in 27, uh, 2017-18, but then the following year, a lot of people were picking the Jets to win the Stanley Cup. And it was really disappointing that the Jets, first off, the Jets didn't have the best second half of the regular season no, from what I didn't. remember. They had a tail, so they went into a tailspin. They went into a tailspin and obviously, you know, they were up 2-1 on the Blues that year. And then, you know, what happened, the Blues uh, finished them off in the first round and then went on to win the Cup, the Jordan, Jordan Bennington year, but I thought that was a, a, first off, I thought he was being very genuine and, you know, letting everybody know that, yeah, like, and that's what I think, you know, was a fault to a fault for him was that he is a win at all cost type of guy. And he has said this, right? Like he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And that's why, you know, when you look at some of the teams that he could sign with, I don't think he's signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, I don't think he's going to be signing with the San Jose Sharks. Like, all due respect, I think he wants to play on maybe like the Pittsburgh Penguins or maybe even the Florida Panthers. We know that his agent, Matt Keeter, has said an Eastern Conference team, right? Boston Bruins, maybe, right? So Mm -hmm. he's going to go to a team that he thinks has a good chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I think most Jets fans would be cheering him on if he gets to a position next year in the playoffs. And I think that's why as time goes by, we always talk about recency bias. Dave M, I want you to get in here. We always talk about recency bias, right? And I think the way things have ended with Wheeler, it, it, I mean, look at how many guys can go out like Wayne Gretzky, right? Like how many guys can go out like Jerry Seinfeld, right? Going out at the top of your game, right? Like it's it's very rare or Patrice Bergeron, who, who we don't expect to come back next year. Like not everybody can go out on their own terms. And Drew's absolutely right. It's the $8.25 million contract that was the albatross, right? If Blake Wheeler is making $4 million a year, people wouldn't say, oh, the Jets got to buy him out or they need the cap space or everything like that. 55 points for a 36-year-old um, making $4 million a year is fine. But as Drew mentioned, when when Blake Wheeler signed that contract, it was five years. He was still in the peak of his career. But it's not the and, salary that's the reason why he's no longer a member of the Winnipeg Jets. No, uh, no, the, you're right. There's other yeah. things like the intangibles, right? Like they're, I mean, look at, I mean, the, the I, I don't think, just I don't think the blow up with Rick Bonus helped him. I mean, if that doesn't happen, maybe Blake Wheeler finishes his career with the Jets. But as you've said so many times on our show, Drew, it was time for the Jets to move on from Blake Wheeler. Yeah. It's time for Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey to really take control of that room. Which, whichever one of them gets a C, probably Lowry, but that's not the point. The point is that for the Jets to really, for lack of a better term, you know, take the next step, they need to do that without Blake Wheeler. They do. It was, you know, that, you know, everything comes to an end and this was time for the Jets to bring this to an end. Now it could, you could have made the argument that last year was the time, but I understand why they wanted to give it one more year and to see if a new coach and a new voice and, you know, things could be, could be salvaged, but it was evident by the end of the season, Dave, that there was no more, 
there was no more runway in this relationship. Both sides. You almost like looking at Wheeler yesterday when he when he filmed that video or whenever he filmed it sometime in the last you know 48 hours, presumably. I see a, a player, I see a, a person who's almost relieved that this situation has come to an end. He knew that it was time to move on. The organization knew that it was time to move on. They didn't kick this can down the road any further than it needed to go this offseason. The Jets, of course, should have been doing their due diligence to see if a trade was possible, because why would you not do that? And they did, and there wasn't one there. No surprise. But the I, I just get a sense of relief from everybody involved that this is finally culminated wheeler will no longer be here whenever he returns this you know in 23 24 the ovation should be loud and boisterous and everything else because i think he certainly does deserve it whatever his negatives are Mm -hmm. the positives and everything he did for the jets team and the Jets organization and the city of Winnipeg do outweigh those negatives. And anyone who says differently is probably being unfair and myopic when it comes to his time here in this city, Dave. Myopic. Like that. I read the whole thesaurus last night. I haven't slept in days. Just trying to expand my vocabulary a little bit. Yeah, but it is the second time you've already used it, though, Drew, today on the show. Really? I used myopic before? You did. Yeah. Well. Looks like I've got to go back to dumbing myself you, down again. You need a little more of an expansive thesaurus, apparently. Okay. Yeah, my <laughs> my one word only thesaurus didn't work out very well. See, and Stephen B is like, what the what what is myopic? Go ahead, there, David. Anyways, I, look, I I I mean, I don't know how much more there is left to say. To be honest with you, I think we've talked about it. I mean, it's uh, it's you know, as my Baba would have said, what was was, and uh, I think it, it is done and it needed to be done and the Jets organization needed to move on. And it's really not a, a function of money because I mean, the Jets don't have any big contracts that they need to sign for next year. So it's not as if suddenly they're like, Oh no, we've only got $13 million in available cap space and we've got to sign someone for X. I mean, as we've already touched on, well, we haven't really touched on the, uh, players who need some more funds, the Dylan Sandbergs and the Morgan Barons and whomever. I mean, obviously there's seven other players. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But the fact is that they're, they're going to be fine within that cap space. It's not a huge uh, concern. And of course now they'll have to deal with 2.75 million on the books for Blake Wheeler and 2.75 million on the books for Blake Wheeler the following year. Mm. Those are the ramifications of the buyout for him. Just the second buyout ever for the Winnipeg Jets. A franchise second time, second time, six years to the day that they bought out Mark Stewart at the end and of his four-year contract. And it's worth remembering, of course, that Mark Stewart, who obviously was disappointed to be bought out, came I with, believe that yeah. was the last game he played in the NHL. I don't think, I think he got a PTO with the Blackhawks that offseason, but I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever signed with them. But I could be but wrong. The, but also, wrong. Mark Stewart and Blake Wheeler were part of the trade together from Boston to right. Atlanta. And Mark Stewart did come back and was, you know, part of the Jets organization in that sort of alumnus uh, alumni role that sometimes you see guys going out yeah. to the community. Didn't Stu go? play in germany for one year or two years yeah he did he yeah did. he went yeah no he didn't play in the nhl again though right exactly You're right i think i think he did sign like a pto maybe with chicago yeah or, or one of those franchises but yeah you know he never played again i don't think in the nhl but um and then technically if you want to be real technical they did make it the trade to montreal to get rid of steve mason's contract remember when they gave away joel armia yeah and 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 then i think montreal bought out the mason so i mean they didn't have to buy him out but they did have to do the old trade with a sweetener 
and Yoel, sorry, Yoel Armia. Yeah. Come on, so, yeah. Dave, Mark Stewart played one was, year with the Mannheim Eagles, 2017-18. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so anyway, so I think it's just uh, it's 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 not something this trust organization loves to do. They, you know, when they sign a contract, they want the that contract to come to an end. And I think in their heart of hearts, if you ask Mark Chipman and 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 well, Mark Chipman because he's the owner, and maybe mm-hmm. David Thompson. I think the reality is that if they would have loved for things to have ended with Blake Wheeler ending, whether it's obviously would have loved for him to be raising his Stanley cup and going down Portage in Maine uh, with this club. But I think that they would have obviously loved to have him end his career uh, as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. But again, as we've talked about, you couldn't have this team come back based mm-hmm. on how it ended. You needed to have a break with the way, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Time can heal. Guys can get past things. Things can be said in the moment. But the but the reality is it wasn't it wasn't to me it wasn't the end of season media availability that is what did it in. I think it was just the it was actually the comments from the players talking about the way they saw him. And so again, like I said, I think uh, they you, just you, needed I, after what he said. Sorry, Dave, but after what he said in response, you know, as the first person to speak after what Bonus said, yeah, you can't you couldn't bring them both back in the same room. I know they're both veteran guys. I know they've been through everything that there was to do with the NHL, but those, the polar opposite perspectives of the head coach and of the leader in the dressing room being so far apart from one another, you couldn't bring them both back into the same dressing room the next Sure. Season. I'm just saying that they, to me, it was more, what was more concerning was just the way that, again, this, there's no, you're not having guys step up and take on that role because he was there. He was, he was a block mm-hmm. uh, for the next generation of, of players. And he just, again, you needed to finally have a look as how many times have we talked about it? It's not as if the Jets have been challenging for a Stanley cup every year. And you're like, well, you can't break up this core. They're so good. You had a great run in 17, 18. You got knocked out in the first round or you didn't make the playoffs every year subsequent, uh, or sorry, I guess you, you defeated the Oilers in the sweep in the bubble and then got swept by the Montreal Canadiens. So you had one round of playoff success subsequent to 17, 18. Well, I'm sorry guys. Like after that, that's not, it's not, it's not a testament to this franchise being able, I know that Kevin Sheveldayoff have talked about making the playoffs is quote hard, but the fact of the matter is that fans and I would imagine the organization aren't satisfied just making the playoffs. This is about actually being able to, to create something. This group couldn't do it and they needed to make a change. Yeah. And it ultimately comes down to the fact that, you know, the Jets organization has made a decision to go in a different direction here. Right. And so it's not just trading Pierre-Luc Dubois who doesn't want to resign an extension. It could mean also trading Connor Hellebuck either this summer or prior to next year's trade deadline. Right. That's an option. It could mean well, trading Mark Shifley. I mean, I this, want to talk I, about Shifley and Hellebuck after the break in about five minutes time. So keep sure. going. Sure. So, I, I mean, and going back to Blake Wheeler's comments at the end of the year, I mean, I don't think that was the determining factor, but I do agree with Drew. It didn't help. And it's possible that even if Blake Wheeler, Dave, instead of saying that he didn't like what Rick Bonus said, he could have easily just said, yeah, we weren't good enough. We need to be better. It's another disappointing year. And then the Jets would have bought him out anyways, right? So, I mean, I, I think those comments are not, uh, you, you shouldn't focus too much on those comments. We focused a lot on this show on those comments. We don't have to rehash that. Everybody knows that that was well, ugly. What well, Rick Bonus those said. comments were made, you're right, Ezzy, that if, if, if Wheeler had downplayed it or had agreed with Bonus, maybe he gets bought out anyways. But for once they came out as being so opposite each other, there was no way to bring both of them back into the same dressing room. That was, to me, was the absolute... Uh, part where the split at that point had the to final happen. straw, as they say, right, Drew? Yes. And look, I mean, Wheeler was maybe going to play one more year with the Jets, but again, 
it's a moot point. I mean, he's been bought out by the Jets. And going back to what I was saying before, I think, you know, and I go back to, you know, the, the post that Dave M made about Blake Wheeler's career, you know, playing almost 800 games, or pardon me, almost 900 games, 874 games. You just look at the stats, 795 points in 874 games. That's regular season, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that, 0.85, 0.9 points per game? Like, I think Jets fans will remember the consistent production and at his peak between let's say 2016 to 2019 when the Jets had their best teams and they won it. That includes going on that run in 17, 18 to the Western conference final. Blake Wheeler was a top right winger in the game. And that's what Jets fans I think will remember. Well, the fact that he was, when he was at the peak, when he was at his peak, where I agree, you know, statistically he was one of the most dominant right wingers in the league. Did Jets fans, did the people in Winnipeg, did hockey fans, you know, and, and hockey fans outside of Winnipeg, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to pay attention to it because it's Winnipeg and we don't get the 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 attention that we that other markets get. Did fans in Winnipeg appreciate just how good he was when he was at his peak? Of course. Do you think of so? They Do you did. think that he yeah. was mentioned in the same breath as some of the elite players in the league? Because to in me, the, by, by well, you're asking Winnipeg, two different questions. You're well, asking two different questions. Your first okay, question was, do the Jets fans appreciate him? No, and then no, you said, Winnipeg is he appreci- appreciate him as one of the best players in the league? Well, again, that's two questions. The first question you asked was, did they appreciate him? And then you said, did they appreciate him as the best player in the league? I don't think he one was... One of the uh, best players in the league. I don't think he was one of the best players in the league. I think he was like, what's your definition of best player, Drew? Like, well, I, I don't know what your definition when he is. Was putting up the numbers that he was putting up, he was, you know, I, I would say that he would probably have been one of the top, uh, top ten or top twenty forwards in the NHL. Was he considered that by people in Winnipeg? Did he get his just desserts? Did he get the the his the rightful acknowledgement of just how good he was when he was at his peak? I think so. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're saying, do did Winnipeggers appreciate it? I don't think there's any question. I don't think people took it for granted. If that's what you're suggesting, I don't think so at all. I mean, I think people. First of all, he got the opportunity, right? I mean, it wasn't as if wasn't as if as he was doing getting ninety back to back ninety one point seasons in five minutes of ice time. I mean, he played, you know, amongst the most in I on the ice. He had the primo power play uh, time, but he was it was worth it that he had it because he was an elite player. But I don't think there's any question that folks in Winnipeg saw him for what he was, which was a top five right winger for a number of years in this organization. And I mean, by that I mean three in the in the league. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's any question. But if you're going to say, do I think that the rest of the the league saw it? I don't think so. But again, that's a more of a Winnipeg thing than it is, uh, and that's any small market. Like mm-hmm. I mean, with the exception of if Connor McDavid wasn't otherworldly. I mean, you don't really hear a lot about Leon Draisaitl. He, as he, what does he do? He just puts up fifty goal seasons. You don't really hear much about him. So the reality is, because he's not as flashy as McDavid, right? You'll hear about him every once in a while. He has a four goal night. My point is that, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any question that people, and we'll, we'll throw it to the comments. I think a lot of people are, 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 are agreeing that they definitely felt that he was a uh, an elite player, and they recognized um, that here in Winnipeg. But again, it, it, you know, like I said, ultimately. He was part, and the, Drew. That's why he, the reason he earned himself that you know eight point two five million dollar contract over five years was because he was elite, and there was a lot of concern. If you remember that you had just he was coming off a phenomenal season, well, are you just paying for that, and are you going to immediately regret it? And as I said, you thought you might regret it after potentially after the third year, maybe years four and five, 
Year four, he was fine. Again, it was it would be this year, actually, that would be the big concern. And even last year, again, it was more just that idea of you needed to let Wheeler, and we've been talking about this, as he moved down to have less power play one time and then have that softer ice and maybe, again, offset some of the limitations of a third line that wasn't seen as a scoring third line and wasn't particularly you know, doing much. So to me, that would have been an opportunity this year to get Blake Wheeler kind of change his role. And they didn't really do that. When we come back, we discuss Hellebuck and Shifley's future here in Winnipeg. They've both sort of been on the back burner of trade conversations. Do we still expect a trade or is there an alternative for both of them? Stay with us. Our number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show is up next. Happy Canada Day. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up and comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at rumorscomedyclub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself. And somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you, talking everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. Stephen Ellis of DailyFaceOff.com joins us in about 15 minutes' time. IllegalCurve.com all day long for your latest Winnipeg Jets free agency news. Twitter's still down, so I'm still flying blind. If anyone knows of any rumored deals that are expected to happen come the start of free agency, you can throw them in the chat. We've seen Ryan Reeves 
the expectation that he might go to the Toronto Maple Leafs on a three-year contract, apparently, which is, I would argue, about uh, two and a half years, probably too long, but uh, the Leafs apparently know better than I do. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly, rumored to be linked to heading to the Montreal Canadiens. I think I saw both of those things so far. So we'll see what's happening as it pertains to free agency. It opens in about one hour's time. I want to ask you guys about both Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley. Free agency day starts today. We know that the majority of big moves of trades happen in the lead up to the draft, maybe happen between the draft and free agency. Free agency, as I mentioned, starts in an hour's time. Do you believe that Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck are going to start the 23-24 season as members of the Winnipeg Jets. Dave, I'll start with you on that one. Well, I'm, I've been on board uh, with that thought already, and I haven't changed my mind. I'm still uh, thinking that Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck will be members of the Winnipeg Jets. Hellebuck was the one I was more uncertain of. I thought that they would be signing Shifley to an extension potentially. But uh, no, I think I don't think the Jets are looking to, to trade away their second you know said you know two first centers and now suddenly now you've got zero and who you're replacing him with so um definitely would be a bit of an issue in that regard i know people don't love mark shifley's defensive game but i think with guys like gabe velarde and other players who take defensive hockey a little more responsibly maybe they can uh start to impact him in that regard but look i you know darren drager just had a tweet out maybe half an hour ago when twitter was still working as he <laughs> talking about the idea of uh, New Jersey looking to re-sign one of their guys or go for a different option than Connor Hellebuck. So if New Jersey isn't interested in Connor Hellebuck, and that's obviously an, it could be posturing on the part of the devil simply saying, oh, well, you know, we don't want Connor Hellebuck, but we will take him if you retain salary, which, you know, I was shocked to hear the way they were talking about that yesterday. But the fact is, uh, yeah, no, I do think that the Jets are likely to start with Mark Shifley and uh, Connor Hellebuck on their roster next season to start at least. And we'll see how it goes. If the season goes off the rails and trade deadline approaches, that maybe changes your fortunes a little bit, especially because teams as will know what their salary caps are. They'll know what their limitations are. They'll know who's in contention. And then at the end of the day, to add a guy who can maybe add, you know, a, a 40 goal scorer or a, or a netminder of his caliber Maybe that's your next opportunity. But now, like, the impetus to get this done quickly, I don't see it being there. Because, first of all, they're both under contract. And that's the, the message Kevin, Kevin Sheveldayoff said at the draft in Nashville. But he essentially said, look, guys, at the end of the day, like, they're Winnipeg Jets. And, yeah, we're going to be talking to people. But if, if the offers aren't there, we're not just taking an offer for the sake of taking an offer. Because he knows, as that the trade deadline offers will be better than what you're going to get maybe at this point in the summer. So to me, I think you might have to start with them on the, in, in, in the lineup and, and look, you don't really have a lot of other options. Like is, is your goalie tandem going to be at the Jets level, Oscar Salmonen and, uh, and Thomas Millich? No, obviously not. So the fact is you don't even have a goaltender to replace. You, do you really want Riddich back? I don't think so personally. So I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, but my guess is if you're asking me what my, my guess is, it would be that they're both going to be back. Can we go back? To... Sorry, I was just going to say talking about backup goalies. 
Cam Talbot apparently going to Los Angeles. Jonathan Quick going to sign with the Rangers, apparently, is what I saw uh, earlier. And I know for some that Twitter is working. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those lucky few. So if there's anything relevant that I may have uh, missed, put it in the chat and I'll be able to uh, bring it up on air. Sorry, Azzy, go ahead. No, it's all good. Is there anything, I mean, and that's what July 1st, like, is there anything more random than Jonathan Quick going to the New York Rangers? Like, that just seems like just a very random uh, move. I, I forget which was done. What was the other one that you said, Drew, before that? Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot Cam, going yeah. to the Kings. Yeah, so, I mean, Phoenix Copley's under contract. Eunice Corpusello is not under contract. He's a, is he a UFA now? Yeah. Or is he an RFA? No, he's a UFA because he's, what, 28 years old? 29 years old? So, obviously, right now, LA is going with... Um, the the Phoenix Copley, sorry, I forgot uh, who we just Cam said. Talbot. Cam, Cam Talbot. And Phoenix Copley. Uh, going back to what Drew, Dave said about retaining salary, I thought that was so ridiculous because of the fact that Connor Hellebuck has been criminally underpaid essentially since he signed that contract. $6 million for a perennial Vesna candidate. I didn't understand that. Like for me, Dave, like that, you're getting a $10 million goalie for $6 million a year. So obviously, I think what's scaring a lot off a lot of teams, or maybe scaring off isn't the right word, but I think I don't know how many teams in the NHL want to sign Hellebuck to, let's say, a five or six year deal uh, at an AAV of nine to nine and a half million dollars a year. It's possible that Hellebuck wants more than that. And I would argue that, you know, if one goaltender in the league is worth that, it's probably Hellebuck. He's still in the prime of his career. You guys would agree with that. I'm not saying that a team should go out and give him you know, seven years, 70 million, Dave, anything like that. But I really think one of the reasons why I don't expect the Jets to trade him anytime soon uh, is because a team acquiring Hellebuck is going to have to give up a really good player. So if you're talking about the New Jersey Devils, like we know that Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier aren't being traded. Jesper Bratt was just signed. Timo Meyer was going to be, uh, is was just re-signed to an eight-year contract, right? Like, so who are the New Jersey Devils trading for Connor Hellebuck, right? Like, that's what you have to ask yourself. And so the thing is, like, when you're talking about different trade scenarios, um, I mean, what what is a team giving up? You're going to have to, if you're not giving up a goaltender, which I think you guys would agree, if the Jets aren't acquiring a goaltender for Hellebuck, they're going to have to go on the UFA market and sign a Eunice Corpusallo or sign a Freddie Anderson or whoever, Tristan Jari, whichever NHL veteran goalie you're going to sign, right? So if you're talking about the Ottawa Senators, if I'm not mistaken, the Senators don't have any goalie signed for next year. So I would expect the Senators to possibly look at a guy like Eunice Corpusallo. But who are the Senators giving up? I don't think they're giving up Jake Sanderson to acquire Connor Hellebuck, for example, right? Dave, like he's really highly coveted in that organization. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why I think this is quieted down and I don't expect to trade. In terms of, you know, going into next year with Hellebuck, I guess, you know, if Chevy, you know, doesn't get the trade that he wants, um, that's what's going to have to be the case. And, you know, we we speculated about this on Wednesday night, you know, does the Dubois trade and what's happened with the Wheeler buyout, I mean, does that change Connor Hellebuck's mind, well, right? I'm what not, I was going to ask. So do you think that, you know, given given the Wheeler buyout, given that, you know, the, the new additions to the Jets roster, do you think that the very confident statement that Connor Hellebuck is not going to be signing a contract extension with the Winnipeg Jets might now be a little bit cart before the horse? Do you think there's a possibility that if the market isn't there as, as robustly as he expected that maybe he circles back to the Winnipeg Jets and says, Hey, six years, eight and a half million dollars. 
maybe that gets something done when it, you know, a, a month ago or six weeks ago, that looked like an impossibility. Do you think that there's been a, maybe a softening of opinion over the course of the, uh, the, the events of the last week or so, Dave? Well, I think it's a couple of things, Drew. I think number one, remember, Kyle Buck never said he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. What he said was he wants to play for a contender and wants to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. That was those. So, so be clear. I mean, and, and Winnipeg would pay him whatever he wants to to try and do that. I mean, that's that's just the reality. I think is that what we've heard from folks in the know is that the Jets are prepared to to meet his contract demands and and pay him what what he thinks he's entitled to. And I don't know that there's other GMs right now as that are out there in the league who are thinking the same way. So, I mean, if well, you another, wanted- we have to mention though, Dave, a big thing that came in a month ago was the athletic report that Hellebuck wasn't going to be signing long-term with the Jets. That's what's changed the narrative big time. Right. Of course. But I mean, again, it, that's because remember, ultimately that was based on the idea that the Jets are going to essentially rebuild. Like if, you know, they can see, they can call it whatever they want, but if you trade away Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and you buy out Blake Wheeler, I don't know how you easily replace them. Now we think that the the sum of all parts will will hold the Jets in good stead with the Dubois trade. We haven't seen anything to give us any sort of indication that anything is happening with Mark Shifley. But again, it, it's a couple of things. Like you know, you could you could, hey, I can say to you guys, they want me on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast all they all they want or spinning chiclets because you know da, 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 da. but the reality is if that's not actually the case they're not actually making an offer for my services the illegal Kerwaki show sounds just good enough for me and so <laughs> i think that if i'm connor hellebuck and suddenly i'm gonna get my nine and a half million and i'm gonna be convinced and that's what again drew you, you started the show talking about um the freedmen it's been a good week and he ended off that segment on the podcast essentially saying, will the Jets circle back? Will the Jets circle back to Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley and talk about them, whether this is trade? He actually said with Shifley, you know, if we offer him the C, would would that be enough? And with Hellebuck, that sort of thing. So I'm sorry. I'm the sorry. I'm sorry. That Mark Shifley wants the C? I don't get the impression. No, I'm sorry. Shifley I got to step in here. Uh, that's a ridiculous suggestion. About well, Shifley I, it's not my suggestion. I'm just no, 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 no. I didn't say it was your suggestion. Yeah. I'm saying that uh, to make Shifley a captain is a ridiculous suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. I, I see no... I've seen no leadership qualities from Mark Shifley that would indicate that he needs to be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll put a pin in this conversation and uh, shift our focus to the just-completed 2023 NHL draft. We're pleased to welcome from dailyfaceoff.com. Stephen Ellis joins us on the show now. Stephen, good morning. On a scale of one to a hundred, how happy are you that you flew out of Nashville two <laughs> days ago as opposed to yesterday? See, I-, I was complaining at the time because we were delayed by a whole hour and there was a, tr- <laughs> a second flight coming out of Toronto that was supposed to leave an hour after us. And I think they left before we did. So that sucked. But, uh, that airport is awful. That is it an is. awful, awful airport. So I'm very like just a thousand. That's that's my rating. I'm giving. Yes, that. I, we are also like- very happy so that you can break down the Jets' prospects with us because <laughs> Colby Barlow, I believe, is currently on a plane with a lot of uh, NHL folks trying to get back to their respective cities. Well, they were worried like because I, I know there was a storm there, but we had like a massive storm during the draft and they announced it on the broadcast and everything and it was like we were basically in the basement where the media area was which is different where the floor was and it was just like it was so loud 
Well, we're thrilled that you were able to make it out and join us this morning to talk about the uh, Winnipeg Jets draft picks and the draft in general. Of course, that happened about, uh, gosh, it seems like about 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago, something like that. It's just a very compact week on the NHL calendar. We start with Colby Barlow. The Jets drafted him, of course, at 18th overall. Uh, you know, you described him on your article for Daily Faceoff as one of the best shooters in the Canadian Hockey League. One, I'd, and I'm quoting you here, one I'd fully expect to score 55 goals in the OHL if everything goes right in Owen Sound. I guess that's high praise. You know, what, what attribute of Colby Barlow is, is most appealing from your perspective? It's for sure his shot, his release. And like, I got to watch him really closely because uh, living in the Toronto area and I've covered like the, the U16 level and the U15 stuff like that. So I got to see him play with the Toronto Marlboros back in the day. And even then he had a shot that was just so quick. It was no hesitation to it. He put it where he wanted to. And you watch him in practice and this guy could just snipe it like it's nobody's business. So it didn't surprise me at all to see him go and get 30 goals as a rookie and then uh, 46 goals this year. Uh, so, you know, 55, 60 goals seems very likely just given the fact that he's he's a finisher he could shoot from anywhere he could be anywhere around the net the one thing i thought that was really nice though at the u18s is we saw a guy who was a lot more committed to the defensive side of things and you know you look at the numbers and his goals have always outweighed his assist it looks more like a goalie stat type thing uh with the wins loss but when he's he's also been really good on defensively he's getting better as a playmaker he's not just rushing the puck up himself anymore he's using his teammates more to his advantage so this is a guy that is a lot more well-rounded than at the same point last year and you expect that but that's not always the case we see see a lot of prospects who actually don't really improve but with him i think that it's just it's one of the best offensive threats that had he gone even like ninth or tenth i wouldn't have been totally surprised so you mentioned that, and obviously, you know, ninth or tenth, you wouldn't have been totally surprised. Eighteenth seems like good value then from the Jets' perspective. Was there somebody else on the board still at that point in time that you thought would have been maybe a I'm going to use the word better selection for lack of for lack of uh, uh, of strong, uh, of better language right now, or or did you think that the Jets probably took the best player available at that point? There's only one other player I probably would have taken ahead of him, and it was the guy that was picked right afterwards Oliver by Chicago, Moore. Oliver Moore. And I just think that Oliver Moore is just an unbelievable, you know, straight line speed guy. Uh, whenever I talk to Dan Muse, the coach for the U.S. National Development Team, that they would always mention that, like, he, he would always mention how, like, this guy is so underrated, so valued. He had, like, 30 more points than any guy in his line. And I think one of the big things was when they called up, Cole Eiserman and James Haggins from the U17 team. And those are Cole Eiserman likely is going to go number one or number two next year. And James Haggins is one of the top guys of 2025 and Oliver Moore, just like it, that's when it seemed to really click with him there. Right there. It showed that he could play with just about anybody on the ice. So I, I, I would have loved him, but Kobe Barlow, again, got one of the best shooters and uh, you, that's what you're, you'd be paying for him down the line. That's what you're looking for there. And obviously one of the best mustaches and a guy that looks like he's uh, four or five old years older than he actually is. Right, Stephen? should mention yeah. you've got some nice facial hair and I'll give myself a little bit of a shout out as well. Um, wanted to ask you about Thomas Millich. And this is a guy that, like, I know I uh, texted you a little bit late to come on the show yesterday. And again, we're appreciative that you're you're on with us today because I know it's probably been a, a crazy week uh, for you down in Nashville. But uh, and Thomas Millich is a guy that I think fans in Winnipeg are familiar with just because of the ice Thunderbirds series and that kind of rivalry, right? The Winnipeg ice weren't able to get past the Thunderbirds, but you know, Thomas Millich, I believe he was ranked and correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was ranked 149th um, by daily faceoff. 
if I'm not mistaken. 131. Um, some, 131. So 131. So, you know, not, not too far. He went 151st overall. And, you know, in, in the scouting reports, I mean, I guess the question I wanted to ask you is, you know, why does he go this late? Like, I, I saw that the si- there's size concerns, but, you know, his save percentage was so good this year. He was the goaltender of the year, won the WHL championship, World Juniors, was good at the U-17s. Like, I, I guess, like, you know, what, what do you think of this pick for the Jets? And, and why do you think that he fell this far? Because it, it feels like, especially for a 20-year-old who was passed over in the draft a couple times, it seems like the Jets might have a steal here, especially considering he might play for the Moose next year. His size is definitely a concern, but, you know, these are great numbers. But he is 20 years old. So you you kind of expect big numbers out of a guy that's been passed over multiple times in the draft. So that's kind of the thing. Teams don't like to invest high capital on guys who uh, are farther along in their development and are closer to the peak, I should say. Um, so with him, I like I, I like Mayolich a lot. I think he's a very competitive goalie. But uh, we've I've seen enough of him where he gets beat pretty high quite often. Um, I you know being able to. Do really well in the WHL is one thing. It's going to the next level. That's big, big concern there. So I, I'm the size is is the thing for me. Uh, the fact is he was kind of never on anyone's radar before this season, and that's partly just because you know again, a small guy that was just putting up pretty average numbers. He finally put up these great numbers this year. Um, at the same time, you know, yeah, you, you look at that team, and it was Scott Resloff was also really good. It wasn't like they they needed Milich to go out there and just dominate. So both goalies were pretty good. So. Uh, that's actually probably why he got drafted behind Retzloff. It's just because, you know, there's there's a bit more of a runway there for Retzloff than Milic, who, yeah, will probably step in closer to the pro, but it's it's just we kind of expect big numbers when you're 20 years old in the WHL. So that that's kind of my thing there. Steven, got to ask you about the third rounder for the Winnipeg Jets, Zach Naring. I mean, he was a Minot, North Dakota boy. He's got a family here in Manitoba. One of the things that uh, Mark Hillier, the director of amateur scouting, talked about, said not enough guys say they want to be here. Uh, Naring said that he had Manitoba, or the Jets, sorry, number one on his list. So what, what can you tell Jets fans about about uh, about him? Yeah, I got to see him up close when he was with um, the uh, uh, Shadok St. Marie when he came up to play in Aurora here. And the one thing that kind of really showed up to me there was uh, he, he's kind of like a triple threat forward. He could score pass, and he's a physical player. Um Solid hockey sense. He's not just going to throw pucks just to make a, a pass. Uh, a solid passer. Not a great skater, though. That's the big thing. You know, he's he works hard. He hits hard, but he gets beat in a lot of short, like, little rushes to the puck. So that that's where he'll get beat. Uh, but I do like the fact that he is, you know, 6'3". He hits hard. Uh, he could probably add a bit more muscle mass. I think the last time I saw him, he was, like, 180 pounds. He definitely could be a bit bigger there. Um, but I think that he just – he's – it's kind of like we. I want to see a bit more nuanced forechecking to kind of really make his game a bit more what it is. It's kind of like his game's a little too simple at points with the puck uh, and on the attack, but he will put the work ethic in. And I think if just that alone should be enough where if they're patient with him, I think he could turn into something. But he's more of a depth guy at this point. Stephen Ellis is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show talking about the Jets' 2023 draft class. The Jets drafted in the fifth round Jacob Julian out of the London Knights organization, one of the most successful organizations in the Canadian Hockey League, Stephen. Now, a lot of people were sort of had their eyebrows raised at this selection. They, a lot of people didn't necessarily expect him to go in the fifth round. That was actually on the high end of, of, of where a lot of people projected him to go. What were your thoughts on it? And it's a really sort of 
interesting uh, journey for Jacob Julian from uh, the the London Knights to the Winnipeg Jets because this is a guy who really wasn't playing uh, OHL hockey uh, for a lot of the year and for the lot, lot of the last couple of years he took a, a, a meandering route to this point I would say yeah I'm not totally sure why he was drafted to be fully honest uh, not a guy that really stood out to me at all uh, the the thing about him is he's he's a good skater for his size he's six four uh, can skate really well um, I got to see a bit of GOJHL games and he was good there but like. Again, that's like we're talking like junior B here. Um, so it's not a not a super high level here that he's playing in. Um, uh, but you know, London, it's it's not uncommon to send guys to the nationals and just get them some more ice time. And I thought he looked fine in the OHL, and I actually noticed him probably the most in the playoffs, but I don't know. I just I, I don't see a whole lot there to be fully honest. He's a decent skater, um, can hit, but doesn't do it a lot. Uh, do it do it enough for my liking, I'd say. So it's kind of just where I stand on him. He's not really I don't know. I, I didn't expect him to be drafted, to be honest. Yeah, and I think there were a lot of Jets fans that saw the production and were kind of thinking the same thing, right? Like, he he put up very underwhelming numbers. Uh, the last guy that we wanted to ask you about in terms of Jets prospects goes is Connor Levis. He was ranked uh, higher on your list than some other list. I'm just looking right here. He was ranked 86th on your on daily face-offs list, and he went 210th. Overall, he was a point per game, right shooting center for the Kamloops Blazers. What stands out for you, and and how do you think the Jets did here getting him in the seventh round? Well, yeah, so uh, that guy to me is one of the best value picks, uh, Connor Levis, and uh, I got to give a shout out to come one of the guys I work with, um, uh, Colton Davies, was the guy that really got me into him. And the thing for him is he's just, in terms of hockey sense and, and the way he sees the ice, he's about as good as you'll get late in the draft. Um, you see great numbers this year. Uh, very, you know, very strong in the attack. But the two things that really kill him there is he's not a good skater, probably in the bottom half of the skaters in this draft. And he's very poor defensively. So those are the things that kind of hurt you. Um, and, and, you know, it's easy to be really harsh on some of these young prospects, but we the, the thing to keep in mind is like, he's, 17 like he's about to he, turn 18 in a few months so there's still a lot of development time to go there but uh, i'm just with him it's he plays like the best way of putting it is maybe he plays kind of like what jordan stall kind of plays um but not as good of a skater at this point um i think that he's a really good playmaker uh and he he'll put in the effort defensively and you'll see him trying he just finds himself in the wrong spot a lot um if that makes any sense so i think for that he puts though, in the effort though that you know. it's like he's, he's always moving but then he's in the wrong spot when he where he needs to be um for him though I, I do think that's about as good of a prospect as you could have picked that like like he that in that round that was my favorite pick so i do think there's some value there uh maybe more than a couple guys that the jets picked but I, I, he really has got to work on a skating it's just like he looks like a rock out there half the time you know, Stephen, one of the things that Mark Hillier talked about was the idea that I think the trade chatter, Kevin Sheldon often said this as well, started to pick up around that 18th pick when uh, the, as he said their phone was starting to ring off the hook. Were you surprised by the lack of movement in that first round? Because like, I know it hasn't happened in years and years and years, but like it was, it was wild to see how quickly that first, you know, relatively speaking, how quickly that first round went, especially given the fact there wasn't one single trade. And we thought, you know, and, and like I said, Mark Hillier, his comments were, uh, exactly. You don't have a chance to draft these. This was with respect to Colby Barlow. You don't have the chance to draft these types of players too often. We got a chance. I didn't want to mess it up. Let's make the pick. Cause some folks were saying, well, what if you thought you could get him, why don't you move back? But of course it, it, it's just interesting that a lot of teams didn't do that, especially, you know, the Arizona coyotes who a lot of folks thought they could have done something like that, but clearly they were of that same sort of mentality. 
Yeah, the, the no trades. Like I, I sat with Frank Cervelli throughout a lot of this, and we we're just like, what's going on? What's with the lack of trades? And I mm-hmm. think the key there was what Montreal was going to do. I think once if Montreal was to hold on to their picks, you know, the value would start to fall off after five. Uh, and everyone, the the people that <laughs> again, I don't think Montreal made the right pick of David Reinbacher. That's for a different story. But um, mm-hmm. they should have gone Mitchkoff. But it was kind of like we knew Arizona probably wasn't going to go after Mitchkoff um, because they're not really. They needed something that they can get. They, they needed somebody they could throw in a little quicker there, and they can get that with Simashev and, and Daniel Butt. Um, but with, with Mitchkoff, that's when kind of things spiced up. So when Philly took him, I don't know if there was a really a lot of value in trading into the top 10 necessarily at that point, because after that, the value between, you know, 8th to like 17th were pretty close, and they, I'd say maybe even 18th. Um, and, and it was kind of just which team liked what. So uh, I, I was a little surprised at first that we saw no trades at the top of the draft order. But after that, you know, I thought I liked what Winnipeg did there with Barlow. I liked what there wasn't a lot of surprising first round picks except for what Toronto did at Easton Cow. And I again, I do not understand that one in the slightest, but uh, <laughs> I'll just say, uh, you know what, I like what the when I'm covering the draft in person, I like when there's no trades and I could just focus on the picks and not who just got traded. And it's uh, already a bit of a disaster trying to run around everywhere. Just keep it simple, but that's not as much fun for the fans. Uh, Sorry, Drew. Sorry, Drew. Before, before you jump in here, just wanted to ask you one question because Dave M and I did our, our, we did our live show. Drew, unfortunately wasn't able to, to join us on, on Wednesday night. Uh, And I agree with, with Dave, we were expecting to go at least four and a half hours. And I think we came in just under four hours. It was like three minutes and 52 seconds. But I got to ask you, you know, before Drew asked his question about Dmitry Simashev going sixth overall, because you look at who went, who goes seventh overall, uh, Matt Faye Mitchkov to the Philadelphia Flyers. And obviously Ryan Leonard, who, you know, was just uh, absolutely fantastic for the U.S. National Development Program. I mean, I guess, is this going to turn out to be, in your opinion, possibly one of the worst sixth overall picks ever? Or is there a chance that this could be something close to a more insider? Because I'm still scratching my head uh, about that pick. It just seemed like that guy was projected by most scouts to go somewhere in the second or third round. Uh, I will say no. That will, that is a very good pick, and I was very happy the guy has made Dmitry Simashev. Uh, so that's just you know over the, over Mitchkov though. I mean, because well, but, about- but uh, with the Coyotes, it's a bit of a different situation there. The Coyotes have a GM that's been there for a little bit. They got to start getting things moving here. Um, I, I agree, Mitchkov should have gone earlier, but you know Simashev could you know challenge for a roster spot after next season. Um, we know Mitchkov can't uh, with Simashev. A lot of scouts I talked to. I I had Rainbacker as my favorite defenseman. I pulled about 15 scouts at the initial draft combine, and I think it was like seven or eight of them picked Simashev as the number one defenseman. So, uh, you know, this is the hardest hitting defenseman in the draft. Uh, probably the best shutdown guy. Uh, he's not going to be the flashiest dude, but the fact that he played 18 games in the KHL this year and didn't look out of place, uh, I, I'd say... People are overreacting there. I think that's a fantastic pick. I had him and, going lower. And that's because, why I asked you, Stephen, because you yeah. know you know these prospects. I mean, I'll be honest. I had never heard of him, so I don't know anything about him. I'll, I'll be honest. If I if I did say anything about him, I would be lying. Um, it just seemed like that was – and I'm looking at some of the consolidated rankings, and he actually was projected to be more, I think you'd agree, of like a late first rounder or a mid first rounder. I think I misspoke when I said second or third rounder. Um, but it just seemed like that was uh, – it was a big shock that he went sixth overall. I think you'd agree. Yeah, like like, like that was not necessarily who I would have picked, but I was expecting him to probably challenge inside the top 10. I think I had him go in a Buffalo, uh, the number 13 pick um, in my mock draft. But uh, yeah, with, with 
that to me with considering they got the two guys that are teammates and are both quality players both bring a lot of size uh they clearly wanted size in this draft like almost everybody was like six two or bigger um it'll be a lot easier to attract both those guys to come over here pretty quickly i think so i'm not I thought that was a good pick. Mitch Koff would have been a better, but for Arizona, that I didn't expect him to go there of all teams. And I don't know if they even talked him, to be honest. A couple more for you, then we'll let you go, Stephen. Uh, Carlson over Fantilli. The expectation, I mean, it sort of was bubbling under the surface that uh, Anaheim might go with Carlson, even though Fantilli for a lot of the year was, was the, you know, the, 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 the favorite to go second overall behind Bedard. Do you think that's really splitting hairs in finding criticism of that move? Or do you think that really uh, is more of a, a, a surprise that might end up biting somebody in the behind? Uh, I don't think so. Like, I think you're kind of like looking at it and you're comparing. It's like going to, like, I don't know. Looking at Malkin versus Anze Kopitar, like that's kind of the way I'm looking at here. <laughs> Hall of like, Famer versus Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's like it just depends on what you kind of want a bit more, I guess. With with Carlson, it's just that guy's a lot more defensively respons- uh, responsible um, than I think Fantilli. And Fantilli is one hell of a player. I've watched him longer. I've seen him play a lot more. But I Fantilli would have been the guy I picked. But with Carlson, I think he just you know he fits everything they need. They got a defensively responsible center who could who's big, um, who's got the skill, does a lot of great things in front of the net. Um, he had a really good uh, world uh, under, um, world championship. Definitely a better tournament than what we saw out of uh, Fantilli, and that may have been a big difference maker there. But I, the the difference between those two are very small. It's like if I'm looking at pure skill. Mitch, it's Bedard and Mitchkoff one too, but Mitchkoff would have fallen down because he plays no defense at all. Um, but you know, I'd still say that you know it's not a big deal between the two. It just I'm I'm good job Columbus. They're going to sign it today, and uh, you guys got to be thrilled. That's the best player you guys have ever drafted. I think Fantilli. Part of it is a lot of the the thing about it is a lot more people here in North America have just seen Fantilli longer, and that's kind of just why a lot of people I think just gravitate to him right off the bat. Steven, you knew this question was coming. I texted you about it. Who do you think were the biggest winners and losers in your opinion? Maybe just a couple winners, a, a couple losers. I know a lot of people uh, liked what the San Jose Sharks did, getting uh, Will Smith and then also getting uh, Quinton Musty. Uh, you know, the Blues had their th- three picks in the first round. As we talked about before, some people thought they might trade one of those picks. But for you, who kind of stands out as a team that you really liked what they did and then a team that you didn't really like what they did? And maybe the, the Leafs are that team for you. <laughs> Well, so the Blackhawks and Blue Jackets and, and the Flyers were the three that really stood out to me. Blackhawks, even if you just take out Bedard, I love Gayon, I love Oliver Moore. I thought those were just home run picks for sure. Um, with the the Blue Jackets, I thought going out there and getting Gavin Brindley was a nice little pick, and they got Andrew Strathman, a really solid defense. The, but yeah, San Jose is one that I really liked. Will Smith, Quinton Musty, Casper Haltonen. Haltonen is got to be one of the strongest players I've ever seen. That guy is, I don't know how to explain him other than he's built like a, five tanks combined. Uh, he hits <laughs> as hard as anybody. He's got a great shot, like just one of the hardest shots. I saw him up at the U18s. He was great. But he and, uh, he and, I think I want to say it was Ryan Leonard were chirping each other um, during the U18s quite a bit. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, as for teams that, you know, didn't do anything that I liked, uh, Toronto for sure. Um, it was kind of like the guy I liked the most out of the guys that drafted was their, their second pick, which I think was fifth round Hudson Malinowski, a uh, junior A player, but Easton Cowan, I just, I, I don't get that one. Uh, Edmonton and, and Ottawa also didn't have a lot of players, but I kind of wrote that. I forgot about the boss of Bruins even being at the draft and that's Okay. <laughs> Because I think they're like, you know, we're we're fine. We're we're, we're trying to win the 
We're, we're, we're a good team right now. Um, but like when I'm going around and asking for, for scouting reports on, on Christopher Pelosi, their first pick and people are like, I have no idea who that is. That's, that's an interesting <laughs> sign. So uh, those are the teams that I, I didn't love necessarily. That's usually a great sign when the scouts say, I have no idea who that is when you draft a guy. That, that, that always fills the fan base with confidence. Stephen Ellis is with dailyfaceoff.com. Stephen, appreciate your time this morning. We'll let you get on with your free agency and your Canada Day celebrations. Thanks so much for breaking down the 2023 NHL draft with us. There's no such thing as Canada Day when free agency is on. I'll just say that. It's going to be quite the, quite the busy day. It shall, it. That it shall be. Dailyfaceoff.com will have it covered in its entirety. Stephen, appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Stephen Ellis joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We take our final break. When we come back, we've touched on the Hellebuck question. Let's touch on the Shifley question as well. Free agency starts in 25 minutes. Stay with us as we go lead you up right to the start of it, and then IllegalCurve.com takes over from there. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you on this Saturday morning. Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on, leading into free agency coming up at 11 a.m central time if the winnipeg jets are active the latest news will be available on illegalcurve.com we don't let dave leave the bunker on canada day he's going to be locked and loaded bringing you the latest winnipeg jets news all day long couple of quick updates dreger reporting that matt nieto is expected to sign a two-year deal in edmonton Uh, Despite not getting qualified, Mackenzie Blackwood will likely sign a two-year deal with the Sharks. Uh, Looks like that's happening, according to Bruce Garriock. Anthony Stolar is likely to sign in Florida, uh, according to David Dwork. And what else do we have? Uh, What was the other one? There was another one. Oliver Ekman-Larsen, one-year deal with Florida. Yes, exactly. And of course, Alex DeBrinket, who indicated he will not re-sign in Ottawa, is a headline name to keep an eye on as the day unfolds. And the Lightning and Alex Kalorn are doing their best to see if they can hammer out an extension. So teams are working. Ryan Reeves will be a member of the Leafs for the next three years. Let's talk about the guys. We'll touch on Shifley as well. But let's touch talk about the guys that the Jets extended qualifying offers to yesterday. We mentioned Kevin Stenland. We mentioned Arvid Holm. Alex Limoges was a uh, goal scorer for the Moose last year as well those three were not qualified those who were qualified Leon Gavanke the Jets retain his rights as a result even though we know he left the team and the organization under less than great terms he's over in Germany for I believe the next four years if I recall correctly Morgan Barron was qualified Declan Chisholm Rasmus Kupari Dylan Sandberg Logan Stanley and Gabe Velarde of those players, Gabe Velarde is the most interesting one to keep an eye on, I would say, given that uh, he's the headline name of the guys who the Jets qualified yesterday, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, are we not talking about a bridge deal with Gabe Velarde? Like, I, I don't see the Jets signing him to a five- or six-year deal at this point. I might be wrong, but, I mean, we've talked about the, the injury history with the back and everything like that, and he's he's through that. He's completely healthy, so we should mention that, right? It's not like Gabe Velarde, there's question marks about his health. It's just something to say that has um, affected the amount of games that he's played at the NHL level, right, Drew? So um, I'm not sure, you know, what your guys' take is on that, but I kind of see a shorter-term term deal. For well, Gabriel Velarde? Dave and I talked about that on Tuesday. And, you know, 
if the value was right, I could see the Jets trying to explore a longer term contract with him. If the you know if they can get to the number that they want, and from Velarde's perspective, a guy I know that you know uh, he says he's healthy from the back injury and everything else, and I have no reason not to believe him. But you know maybe you take the bird in the hand for the next couple of years uh, rather than doing a short term bridge. I mean the Jets have been burnt a little bit on some short term bridge contracts. Uh, you know, but and they've had a fair bit of success on longer term deals. So I can see the Jets trying to look, he's going to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets. There's no question about that. I could see the Jets and maybe even Velarde and his representatives trying to see if they could hammer out something that's a little bit longer than a than a bridge deal, but certainly won't be eight years or something along those lines. But I could see an opportunity for something maybe a little bit longer, get a little bit of uh, guaranteed money in his pocket. Uh, you know, so I could see maybe an approach from both sides there. How many years then, Drew? You know, uh, five maybe. It wouldn't shock me. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I think the Jets, I don't think it would be four because I believe that would walk him right into UFA status. Uh, so I think the Jets, if they wanted to go longer than a bridge, would be looking to do something that uh, that at least buys out a year of unrestricted free agency. It, it would probably be a difficult one to to negotiate because he probably thinks he's just scratching the surface of his talent. But at the same time, I know that he's, he says he's healthy from back injuries, but uh, you know, you never know when a back injury is also going to flare up again. Maybe he wants some uh, money in the pocket, some life changing money, uh, you know, and then the next contract could be even bigger if he, if he, if he outplays it. Just, just I, I don't necessarily expect that to happen, but I could understand that perspective of maybe trying to go that way. Well, it's hard. That's that's why I brought it up because I don't think it's uh, look, look. I, th- I think there's certain other players that you would say like he's only got 150 games of NHL experience. He's never played more than 63 games in a season, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm leaning towards. Like, could you see a five-year, five million dollar a year contract? Absolutely. I just don't know. I literally don't know if Kevin Dayoff and the Jets are thinking that same thing, right? Like may, they might be thinking of a two-year deal because as you mentioned, Drew, they have him, the Jets, that is, have him under team control for four years, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you're probably looking at two or three years um, or four or five years. I, I agree. I don't think you're getting a six-plus year contract, but it'll in, it'd be interesting to see. And another guy that we talked about uh, you know, a month or so ago uh, that I think is interesting to see if it's a bridge deal or a longer-term deal is Dylan Sandberg. Because I think, you know, some people would look at Sandberg right now and he just had his best uh, full season in the NHL. And you would say that maybe, you know, he signs a bridge deal. But I think, you know, Sandberg has established himself. So he's maybe a guy that gets a few more years, right? Four years, five years. I have absolutely no idea. Um, But I do think that Velarde is the most interesting one just because it's tough to read if the Jets want to sign him shorter term. And you're right. It's possible that 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 could bite them. And, you know, Velarde could put up 55, 60 points in his next next contract. You know, he's going to be more in the six million plus range. Um, But I think it's the most interesting just because they just acquired him. And also he's missed parts of the last four seasons. Right. So um, that's going to be an interesting one. And Morgan Barron as well. I mean, I think, you know, again, bridge contracts, you see them less than you did in previous years. So, I mean, is, is a guy like Morgan Barron a guy that you could see signed to a four or five year deal? It's going to be interesting to see right now. I don't think it's as certain maybe as some contracts have been in previous years. Dave, what are your thoughts on on the the players that the Jets qualified and 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 their potential negotiations with them? 
Well, I mean, I think we've, I mean, we've talked about the ones that, that were not qualified. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of us were surprised by the seven that, that did receive qualifying offers and including Leon Gavanke. I know some people thought the Jets wouldn't bother because, you know, the four year contract, he'll eventually be able to be a free agent. But right. I suspect what the Jets are hoping they can do is convince someone to give them an asset to recoup maybe a, a late, you know, a sixth or a seventh rounder to take a flyer on a guy. I, I again, why would you give up reason, an asset to acquire a guy that's going to play in Germany? I'm not sure why. There's well, no because I'm sure, I'm sure, because I'm sure, I'm sure he has an NHL out clause. It's well. the same reason why you, you qualify uh, Christian Veselainen, even though he's planning on playing in at the time Sweden, then obviously went to Finland, is that you want to maintain the asset. It's the reason why I suspect you still have Ilya Nikushkin and, uh, and Ivan Telegan. On the uh, on the list because you always want to maintain those those contracts, but or that those rights, I should say. But I, I think, look, I, I just think that the Jets are going to have to make a decision with what with respect to a guy like Declan Chisholm and what they're going to do in that regard and what they're going to do with Logan Stanley. I mean, obviously they're going to sign these guys to the contracts, but I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you have to figure out because you're not going to put these guys on waivers. You're not going to have a situation where you you know lose a guy for nothing like you did with. Kovacevic, you can't have a repeat of that with Chisholm, who's an AHL All-Star and is, is again, like I said, one of the best D prospects in this organization. So, uh, yeah, the Jets... But is that I, not I mean, one of the easier contracts to do, though, Dave? I mean, that's, to me, like you're talking about... Oh, no, right, no, no. Just under a no, million. What does he get? A two-year deal, maybe? Yeah, no, for sure. Exactly. That's exactly what you're going to sign him for. You're going to sign... Like, like if we go through the list as... Like, the guys who are easy to do, essentially, mm-hmm. are Stanley's an easy one uh Gavanke, whatever that's just qualifying him Chisholm yeah, no actual be, negotiation there <laughs> right that'll be a two-year one but yeah I mean the question is really the guys that you really have a question about let's keep Velarde in his own sort of separate category as Drew did really it to me you're right it's it's and even Kapari is is probably a relatively easy one because you're just getting to know that player so you're going to do something short with him the reality is it's what do you want to do with Morgan Barron and what do you want to do with Dylan Sandberg and to me Dylan Sandberg is the one that is interesting because look, he just completed his first full season. He's established himself as a bona fide NHLer. My suspicion is at worst, Dylan Sandberg is going to be a second pairing left side defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets, potentially for the next, you know, five to eight years. So he's a guy who I'd be willing to take like a like a long-term investment in because I think you're going to be, I think if you sign a longer deal term deal with with Sandberg that contract at the end of it is going to look very favorable, mm-hmm. similar to the Mark Shifley deal that they signed when they got him for six years at $6 million, And everyone was like, well, what a fantastic deal. But at the time, remember, there was a risk because Mark Shifley had one season and you were taking a risk on a kid who had one good, solid season in the NHL. So similarly with Sandberg, I could see them doing that. And to me, I would be willing to take a, a long-term risk on him because of the type of player he is. And the, he's the kind of guy you need in your organization on a long-term basis. Like Samberg could end sorry. up signing a, sorry, I was just going to say Samberg could end up signing a two-year deal, Dave, but like five years, 15 million or, or five years, 16 million. Doesn't that seem to make a lot of sense to sign him to a guy yeah, that, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, he's going to be, you want him to be part of your organization for let's say five to eight years or longer. Um, and at three and a half million dollars, like we've talked about this, Samberg isn't the guy they expect to get 40 or 50 points. Like he's no. a solid stay at home defenseman. You know, offense is, is a bonus for him. They want him to be that shutdown defenseman on the left side. But that's kind of what I was thinking there, boys. Just wanted to get that, that in there. I was thinking like five years, 15 million, five years, 17 million, whatever it is. I'm throwing around money. I'm throwing around Mark <laughs> Chipman's money like it's nothing here, boys. But uh, yeah, I agree. I would have no problem with the Jets 
signing Sandberg long time, long term, uh, just based on how he played last year. As Bailey is reporting in the chat, Darren Dreger uh, tweeting, Blake Wheeler continues to nail down his options. Hearing the New York Rangers are a strong contender at this point. So potentially Wheeler and Truba reuniting in New York City. So we'll stay tuned for that. That would be certainly an interesting move uh, if he goes to the New York Rangers. Does like, uh, Elon Musk, by the way, hate hockey? Is there a reason why he decided <laughs> to break Twitter on like the, one of the biggest, busiest days? Like I might actually have to go to the arena today to cover uh, free agency just to get the insight from the team because this is this is useless. Yeah, I look forward to you and the rest of the media just sort of sitting around there as the as the dust bunnies gather and you yeah. guys just sit there twiddling your thumbs, uh, you know, for hours on. And um, Alex Klorn is heading to the UFA market. Uh, Agent Matt Keeter telling that to Pierre Lebrun, the Lightning and Kalorn were not able to uh, finalize negotiations. He will be in demand, I believe, uh, on uh, you know, in terms of the UFA uh, forward, because the UFA market is certainly not that strong. But Alex Kalorn uh, gives it a little bit of a boost. Well, and uh, as you mentioned earlier, Drew, the two Alexes, you've got Alex Debrinket there as well, right? So mm-hmm. as you mentioned, it's not the strongest UFA class. Um, and, and Kalorn is a guy, how old is he? 34 years old now, something like that. Yeah. Uh, 33 years old. And he's a guy that obviously we know has the Stanley cups and everything like that. 27 goals and 64 points. And I don't think the jets are going to be in on Kalorn because as we talked about, you acquire a guy like another Alex, Ayafalo, who's going to be on your third line. And obviously the top, I don't think there's space for, for Kalorn, Dave, in your top six there. Um, mm-hmm. now that they've got Gabe Velarde, but I, I agree, Drew, I, I would expect Kalorn to sign if not today, very soon. And because he's still probably like a four to five million dollar a year player, I would imagine. Yeah, I think he'll get he'll get a contract somewhere for a team that's looking for a veteran goal scorer, a team you know that can that needs more sort of a boost. It's not going to cost you you know uh, six, seven, eight years, but it's going to cost you a few million dollars a year for the next few years. So I think he'll be in demand. Uh, Dmitry Orlov, we know, is also uh, sort of one of the headline names, which sort of says a lot about how weak this uh, free agency class is. Because I don't think Dmitry Orlov should ever be a headline name at any point in time. But he's going to be. Doesn't he make a lot of sense for Vancouver? Like that's who I thought of, you know, with the the OEL buyout and and how aside from Quinn Hughes, let's be honest, that Canucks defense is horrible. I don't know that I'm just spitballing here. If just you're Orlov and you have options, I would hope that you're looking to play on a team that's got better, uh, you know, that's that's going to have a b- better, brighter future than that of the Vancouver Canucks. That would be my thought. I mean, sure. Orlov. I mean, I don't know. Wouldn't you want to stay on? The, you know, we see Wheeler wanting to go to the East just because life is so much easier in uh, the on the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, when it comes to being a professional hockey player, your travel is so what much. What are you easier. a sailor? I mean, I think I think life <laughs> life is life is. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, I'll go I'll go live in Southern California any day of the yeah. week, and I'll go live in Vancouver, British Columbia. It's one of the nicest cities in the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the Canucks are not going to win the Stanley Cup next year, but uh, you know, if the Canucks offer you know Orlov three years and five million dollars a year, I think he might consider that. But you're right, he might end up you know, end uh, going to a team that has a better chance at, at winning the Stanley Cup. But you're right. When Dmitry Orlov is one of the headline uh, UFAs, you know that it's not a very good year. Anti Ranta resigns in Carolina, one year, one and a half million dollars. There's a lot of talk about, of course, of the Hurricanes maybe being interested in acquiring Connor Hellebuck for the last year of his contract. I wonder if the Ranta move, um, you know, sort of disqualifies that, given that they still have, um, uh, what's it, Kokotov. I'm, pronou- I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. Chekov. Yes, thank you. I, I, I'm struggling what did on you that. Say one. There, Drew Kokotov? Yeah, I no, knew I was Coco Beware. Is that what you said? Coco Beware? 
<laughs> remember him Thank with you. the parrot, former uh, WWF wrestler from the 1990s? Do you remember the? Do you remember the parrot's name? I do not remember the parrot's name. Frankie. Frankie was the name of Coco wow. Beware's parrot. Wow. There you go. Thank you. I, I can't. I can't name the the Hurricanes goaltender, but my idiot brain somehow remembers the name of the parrot that Coco Beware used to come to the ring with. To answer the years question. Ago. To answer Ben Howard's question in the chat, uh, he asked, "Whatever happened to Dmitry Rushevsky? Dmitry Rushevsky is still in the KHL. He signed a, a new contract with Dynamo for I think it was two years. Lot uh, start this year, so yeah. he'll be uh, he'll be sticking around in uh, in in the KHL." Uh, doing his thing with uh, former a, former St. John's Ice Caps Manitoba Moose Eric Odell. He was a what? A, a, was he a fifth round pick? Who Rzhevsky? Yeah, fifth round. Yeah, fifth round pick. And I think the Jets would like to get him over here to see. Well, they, that they have the, the plan. To. The the plan was originally was that he was going to come over. He had a really good season in the KHL. He was actually going to come over be with the Moose and start with the Moose. And then and then I think what happened was he had a really good back to back season in the KHL. So I think what they decided was they were going to stick him. They were going to, he was going to stay there. And now he, if he comes over, it'll be with, a, with an eye towards sticking with the jets. Just want to get this in drew though. If uh, jets fans want to go and check out, see me, you can see me all week. I'll be at hockey for what is it called? Hockey for all hockey for life center. Hockey for all center. Oh, hockey, hockey for all center. Yeah, okay. That's what I was going to say. Oh, that's what I thought it was called. Scotiabank that's... hockey for all center. Yeah. Anyway. So the fact is that starting on uh, Wednesday at nine 45, so that's July 5th. Also my dad's birthday. Happy early birthday, dad. It is uh, my the... dog's birthday today. There you go. So the fact is that the development camp gets underway and it is going to be a good one because it's first of all, first time in a long time. And uh, some of the guys who are going to be there is Dominic DeVincentis. Good chance to see him. Thomas Millich, which of course folks have seen him, Anton Johannesson, Elias Solomonson. So a lot of these young uh, Tyrell Bauer, who folks saw who walked the moose, Dimitri Guzman, who joined the moose late. And more importantly, on the forward side, I'm just going to go quickly, Rutger and McGroarty. Okay, you haven't seen uh, Brad Lambert, Colby Barlow, Chaz Lucius, Danny Jilkin, Fabian mm -hmm. Wagner, who of course plays in Sweden. He uh, just signed a three-year ELC with the Jets, Zach Nering, and then uh, some of the other kids who were drafted this year. So uh, and some guys who signed with the Moose. So I think it's and Thomas be really Millich will be at camp too, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, I mentioned him as well. And uh, right. and so will actually Logan Eaton, who uh, has the Jets have one more year to sign him. So uh, it should be a really good crop of guys. What about Zach Nering? Is he going to be here? Yeah, Sorry, Zach Nering. Did you mention him? Yeah, Zach Nering. I said Zach Nering and Jacob okay. Julian, of course, and Connor Lewis. Sorry, my niece and nephew were, I'm on the deck here uh, and they oh, just walked okay. in. So I, I kind of I, I waved and I was. Uh, I'm just guys. It's 27 degrees Celsius out here, and everybody. You look else a little is, like you're roasting there, big boy. Yeah, everybody else is by the dock, like in the water. So let's wrap this up pretty quickly because well, that's big what I was about, doing. Well, we first big daddy's about five. to take his shirt off and, and jump in the lake. Oh, take well, the shirt yes. off. We want to see it. Show us off. Show off the pride. Anyways, the point is, it's a good. It's a good lineup of of, of prospects. If you want to come check it out, and also Nikita Chiprikov, who the who they brought over at the end of last season, he's. He's here, so you'll get a chance to see him up close and personal as well. So a real good opportunity Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to see the next generation of Jets prospects. I can't believe people are disagreeing with me. I thought I thought this would be finally the perfect opportunity where we can see Ezzy topless and, and and really enjoy that scene. That uh, unfortunately, oh no, oh no, I, oh, no oh no, please, oh, no, oh dear God, God. <laughs> I regret everything. 
I what regret did everything. You do? Holy dolly. Tarps you off. asked for it, Drew. I mean, it's 27 Tarps Celsius off. right now. Somebody it's 11 in the morning. Close her computer as quickly. I'm as really trying to decide. I'm actually trying to decide if I should just take a screen grab of this and send this out, or if this is one I should use for our uh, our show screen grab. I'm definitely. Hey, Drew, it. Drew asked for it. I mean, you get you ask I have and shall receive, right? I have. Got a, I have regrets. I got enough pictures of Ginsburg without clothes on, but dear God. I know. That's. I'm sorry. I'd like to apologize on behalf of myself, Guys, and Dave Manuk. You don't inherit a body like this. You build it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Ezzy. Not only do you build it, I was at the at my kid's school fun fair on on uh, was that Tuesday Tuesday, and a guy comes up to me and introduces himself, and it was lovely to meet him. And he says, oh, "I can't believe I'm meeting another member of Illegal Curve. I ran into Ezzy yesterday." And I said, "Oh, that's great. Where'd you run into Ezzy? Seven Eleven." So, you know, you are at least consistent. Who, sorry, who is that? Very least. I believe his name was Mark. I, I don't want to. Is he tall? I, I, yeah, tall guy. Yeah, that's Mark Morris. Okay, well, there you go. So, you, yeah. you, uh, you He's ran six into foot him. seven. Yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a tall yeah. gentleman. Uh, he, you ran into him at 7 Eleven a couple of I did run into him Monday. at 7 Eleven. He works for Old Dutch. He introduced himself yes. as the Old Dutch IC fan. Yes. Um, and we had a great talk about the Jets. We were actually, one of the things we were discussing is, um, if we thought Blake Wheeler was going to be bought out, and he obviously was yesterday, but uh, yes, shout out to Mark. Are you wearing any sunscreen? I'm just saying you might want to invest in a little no. bit of sunscreen no. right now. Or, I don't yeah, wear sunscreen. Put some you oil on sunscreen. I don't wear sunscreen because it, it gets in your eyes. I don't like that. I, that's the same reason I don't wear insect. Repellent. Yeah, you know, I mean, it prevents you from getting skin cancer. Hey, you guys whatever. know I get eczema, so I don't want to wear that. You don't. You know, you don't have to squirt the sunscreen into your, in your eyes, eyes, right? You know, you close your eyes. You put it around your. By the way, face, I, got, I wear my IC hat. I'm good. I got bad news for Comet. Comet just said, "Double dare you to go all the way down, buff." To as he bad news for you, Comet. He's been uh, he's been all the way the yeah. for the entirety of the show. He just was wearing a shirt. So should I go jump in the lake and then run back? And yeah, sure. I'd like to see that. As he unfortunately Wee. back in his drinking days had a propensity of. Uh, there was one incident where he went, jumped into a fountain and then came back to the hotel and stripped naked and jumped into a bed with an unsuspecting victim. And uh, that person, I believe, is still in therapy. Uh, yeah. over, over Those were the incident. glory days, Drew. I used to love, yeah, I, I used to love getting inebriated and uh, jumping into water fountains used in Minneapolis. Used to love. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll leave it there. As he's topless, so I don't think we can beat that. We want to thank everybody for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. A reminder, anything to do with the Winnipeg Jets, it will be updated all day long on IllegalCurve.com. Dave M. is going to be doing yeoman's work there, as well as on all of our social media platforms, assuming that this Twitter thing uh, can get up and running properly. Uh, you want me to flex, already... Drew? I can flex. Do you want to see the pipes? Yeah, let's see the pipes. Wow. Okay. Look at those muscles. Those Look at those, guns Look away. those arms jiggle, folks. That just doesn't <sighs> happen every day. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave us feedback here, there, everywhere, especially on iTunes, wherever you download the podcast. We always want to hear from you what you think of this program. Uh, preferably, the reactions are not Ezzy related. Did Big you get tickets to, to the gun show, Drew? <laughs> Big thanks to all of our sponsors. I mentioned earlier Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, our friends at Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Apparently, Joel Edmondson has just been traded to the Washington Capitals, so you know it's definitely going to be a busy day. It's Good Manitoba boy right there, Joel Edmondson from Brandon. 
Yes, time will tell if that busy day includes the Winnipeg Jets or Happy not. Happy day for, from us. Uh, Nick Dembski will not play for the Bombers tonight. That also coming out courtesy of our friend Jeff Hamilton. So we're going to multitask on everything to do with sports in this fine city. Happy Canada Day, everyone. Whatever you Absolutely. do, whatever, however you celebrate, please wear sunscreen despite Ginsburg's protestations. And make do sure tarps safely. are off. Yes, tarps off. And by the do way, but safely. Drew, quickly, quickly, yeah. you notice that Ezzy was fuzzy for a lot of the show. Now he's crystal clear. <laughs> I do, Dave, but I tried not to think about it. Ezzy apparently belongs uh, shirtless. That's when his uh, screen comes in. Uh, well, I was going to say it's a good clear. thing that I didn't air my chest. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Be safe this long weekend. IllegalCurve.com, all of our social media platforms. We'll be back. And, of course, stay with us for everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.